Do I do like ho ho ho's? I think I do. Ho ho ho! Because three is a crowd. I'm. <laughs> I'm here. What is that? Sleigh bells ring a ding dingin'? Is that Kelly from snowy Portland? <laughs> Kelly, how's it going? My name is Daniel. This is sign on the window. Sign on the window, calling. How are you? Great, and it's gonna only get better. <laughs> It'll only get better and more professional from here. Are you going to pick up the, the line? Sign on the window calling. Oh, I'm sorry. Hello, it's Kelly from Portland wow. in the snow with sleigh bells. I, Hello. I heard your sleigh, bell. <laughs> I heard your sleigh bells. Uh, <laughs> I'm glad that you could join me for the first time since, I don't know, when it was 115 degrees out in Portland and now it's snowing. So what a better personification of seasons changing than sign on the window. If you weren't clear yeah. that seasons change... Let me tell you, it's cold. It's just cold. Um, <laughs> Kelly, it's nice to see you. We haven't talked officially since the end of July, which is pretty wild. Officially. Which is pretty wild. Um, we we did leave out, um, you know, in our, in our last episode, which hopefully you've had time to catch up on because it came out two days ago. It should have come out mm-hmm. two and a half months ago. Uh, We said that we were going to take a little bit of a break, and we did. We took the entire fall off. I came out to see you in October. You know, you went to Hawaii to get your mom. Your mom is staying with you now. We've been living our lives, and now we're getting together at the end of 2021 to talk about the thing we love the most in the world, and that's Bob Dylan's Christmas album from 2009, Christmas in the Heart. Kelly, before we get started with our usual Christmas holiday fair, which is going to be talking about the album talking about our, our recommendations for the year and talking about Bob Dylan, which probably most people are interested in and will, of course, be in the middle of the episode. Um, we're going to talk about all the songs that we talked about this year. Uh, is there any any thoughts on this year or just kind of like this was weird, just taking a really long break? Um, any wh- how's it going out there is what I'm asking. Yeah, uh, everything's crazy. Um, I'm very busy all the time. I started playing D&D. So I have no D&D friends, so that's weird. My mom lives here now, so that's also weird. Uh, I got a raise at work, which was great, but now I also, a bunch of people quit, so things are, like, terribly busy, so I'm headed headed on a bad path that way. Uh, but, uh, yeah, man, I don't know. I just feel like I'm constantly doing something, but nothing's getting done, mm. which is not a great feeling. And then also it's like... Things are are not great uh, for plague times again. So it's just like that's another whole concern. And I'm yeah. just like you know, it's just 2020. Thank all, God all over again. Yeah, right. At least we have Bob Dylan as a constant. I will say that this is like another. Uh, this will probably be said every Christmas, especially as we get into year five and six of the plague. Yeah. Like it, this is the most unChristmassy Christmas I think I've ever had, especially considering my mom's here, which is usually like you know family mm-hmm. feels very oh, yeah. much more Christmassy. But it's like all her shit's still like half packed and like we didn't decorate it all. Not that we normally do, but like we would have because all my mom's Christmas stuff is here, but we didn't because we don't have time. And then it's just like I didn't listen to any Christmas music until we listened and listened to our playlist. And thank God Bob Dylan was there for to give me a Christmas standard. Come on. So, yeah, it's been it's been a time. Anyway, how are you? You're in Virginia now. So you 
you're in a different place. I am, yeah. We, we left in South Dakota. I came all the way out there. Then I drove all the way across the country again. I mean, this is technically the first year that I'll be with my family for Christmas. So it is weird. My mom has busted out the tree. Um, usually it's my sister who does it and her fiance who are obsessed with Christmas. But this year they, uh, you know, wanted surgery. My sister got her foot reconstructed. So they're just laying on their, their asses at this point. Um, not on, you know, they don't want to be, but they are. So we are um, being lazy Ebenezer Scrooges. Well, no. So they've, they, they have something called Christmas town where they basically do an entire part of their room is just, you know, small figurines with like lights and all this. It's absolutely incredible. So they still did that. But they just, you know, didn't get a tree and stuff because they, they just, we, it's been inc- incredibly busy and lots of things have happened. And obviously they're, um, you know, knocked out for the season. But my mom has stepped up and she has a tree here. So it's like, wow, I haven't seen a tree in a long time. So that's pretty fun. And Christmas Town lives. Christmas Town lives. It's still, it's still there as far as I know. So. Yeah, that's funny that you mentioned. Yeah, like I have not had a Christmas tree mm. in my life. No. In years. Years and years. <sighs> yeah. So when when Bob Dylan's singing about Christmas trees and and you know all that stuff, I get it. <laughs> you understand I get it. it for the first time in years. You understand the, what the man is saying for the first time. Yeah, <laughs> I, I felt so disconnected. Maybe this maybe this will come out in this episode. I'm so connected. I'm so jacked in to to the holidays here, and you're not. You see, so maybe it's like we'll see what happens. Usually, maybe you and I just aren't jacked in at all. Oh, so this is our Hallmark movie. So at the you're. You're jacked into mm. Christmas, and by the end, I will my my city slicker ways who have gone back to their right. hometown to be reinvigorated with the Christmas spirit. It'll happen. That's it. I'm so That's excited. Right. Chris, and it, the movie will be called Christmas in the Heart because you could definitely see a Hallmark movie being called Christmas in the Heart. A hundred percent. Yeah. A hundred percent sure. And Bob Dylan is one hundred percent like the guardian angel looking after the main characters. He'll just show up at like the grocery store or to like stop traffic at some point. So that's his job. Yes, in those moments of quiet silence, suddenly. And then Bob will appear. <laughs> and Bob will appear. Speaking of Bob, it won't just be Bob appearing on vocals and guitar and everything like that. But we're also going to be joined by his guardian angels, uh, Tony Garnier on bass, George Roselli on drums, Donnie Heron, of course, on steel guitar, mandolin, trumpet, violin. Uh, David Hidalgo is going to be playing our accordion throughout, um, also on guitar, mandolin. Uh, Philip Church is also on guitar, lots of guitars. Patrick Warren is on the piano, the organ, the Celeste, uh, which we've talked about in years past. And of course, we have to shout out our choir, which is Amanda Barrett, Bill Cantos, Randy Crenshaw, Abby DeWald, Nicole Eva Emery, Walt Hera, and Robert Joyce, who are once again incredibly clutch on this record. I'm so grateful that this playlist happened because I was just like, I need to throw on Christmas music. Here comes Bob. And for him to be like become the new de facto like Christmas standard guy in my head is so funny because I never thought in a million years that would happen. But like, it's just so easy. It's like, he's going to do all the songs. But it's so easy. Our playlist does throw a couple wrenches. So it does. And we're going to get to each and every wrench. Here comes Santa Claus. Here comes Santa Claus. Right down Santa Claus Lane. Fixing and blixing and old as reindeer pulling on the reins. Bells are ringing, children singing, all is merry and bright. Hang your stockings, say your prayers, cause Santa Claus comes tonight. We start the record with Here Comes Santa Claus, uh, which again is just an impressive opener. Like the moment I put it on, I was back. Oh, yeah. I was like back. Uh, into all of this and like it just reminds me like all the upbeat songs on this record are fire and the low ones are often like 
I think the I think that the low tempo ones are, are the worst because it's just like Bob doesn't have a great voice. But here he's just like going crazy. And I'm just reminded how how really good this record is. And like it's not a cash grab record. It's you know, it's like doing good. It's like going to feeding America. Like for for what it needed to be, it like exceeds what it needed to be at all. Like Bob Dylan could have phoned this in, and it's just so nice that he didn't. And this first song is great. Yeah, I think that it's the earnestness of this record really like got me this year. It was it's it's just like he didn't need to do this, man. And he does it faithfully I, and he seems like he's having a good time doing it and like yeah. that's really nice. Full looking glass for me. It's like I'm the I'm on the other side now where I'm like, I don't understand how anybody could possibly think that this isn't good. <laughs> like all the jokes from like the first year of him being some creepy guy in like a playground where it's like, what is even happening here? I'm like, of course Bob's there. Why wouldn't Bob be there? Bob should be everywhere, always singing songs in his croaky ass voice. That's what we want in the world. Um, we paired this with uh, our, our 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 version here is 1940s to the 2010s to the 1940s to the 2010s. Last year, of course, we had Mariah Carey. This year, we have to go back to the 1940s. And we did Doris Day, uh. Uh, whose uh, first Christmas record for children. I got to say, hers and Bob's, it's like indistinguishable. Those yeah. sleigh bells. Oh, what? Did you say sleigh bells? <laughs> that start that song, I was like, oh, my God, did I hit repeat? Am yeah. I just doing the Bob Dylan again? No. In fact, no. Um, I love the Doris Day one. It just it's so 40s. I really I you know, it's very simple and like straightforward. But they were the people that sort of made the template for, for all song, of these songs. Yeah. So like it's pretty cool. You know, I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like, I, I still I'd give it to Bob. Bob doing these standards. It's like this is he just did this, the classic. This is the one. This is the one that is the one from the 40s. And it's his, his shit is the same and it's great. I mean, if not for this, like the graininess of the just the lower fidelity recording, you would think it's the same goddamn song because it is. I agree. Absolutely. Track two, do you hear what I hear? You know, we talked in years past about like traditional music. Like he wanted to make an album treating these songs as if they're traditional songs, right? Because they, they are. And it's with like songs like this right here with Do You Hear What I Hear, where it's like it has the same sort of template that you would expect in a Christmas song, but it feels like more ancient. Like Bob Dylan can do stuff where it's like, I'm not just thinking about the 1940s. I'm thinking about like the 1740s. Mm-hmm. Like this song takes me other places. And there's only a few other times that that feels like that's happening. And I think with the with the worst songs on this record, it feels like he, it's not a link in the chain to 1740 it's a link in the chain to 1940 it's a link to bing crosby and not to like some guy off in the forest or whatever Mm -hmm. you know like that's that's kind of like that's that's why i like um something like do you hear what i hear where it's like you could definitely tell it's a christmas song it's got a lot of the staples but it also feels like like listening to the lyrics you're kind of just like wow this is like really it's really good lyrical quality it doesn't necessarily feel like you know santa's coming so it's like it's got a timeless quality to it where you're not looking at coca-cola having Santa running mm-hmm. around. It's like talking about pretty hefty stuff. I don't know. It's, it's nice. I, I really like his version too. Yeah. It does have a more like medieval, which is not the right time. period. I mean, like you're talking about an event theoretically that happened 2000 years ago. Right. But like, it, it definitely does feel more like there's a, a classical quality to it versus like, yeah, a child, a child thing. sleeping in the night. He will bring us goodness and light, yeah. like changing of the guards. I mean, it's yeah. like changing of the yeah. guards. Totally. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of, Kind of awesome. Um, you know what else was awesome? Denise Williams. Okay. 
Okay, let's talk about it. I've never seen someone smell Denise like that, which is just D-E and then the word niece. Love it. And I'm not mad even a little bit at this, like late 80s, early 90s. Well, what's the category? What's the category in this one? Uh, this one is R&B legends only. And Denise Williams is a R&B legend. I did not know who she was. Oh, yeah, I'm not she familiar. she is a multi-Grammy award winning. No her shit. Wikipedia is long as shit. She is all over the place. And some people consider her like one of the best vocalists of the 20th century. Wow. So, we've been sleeping on Denise, man. No idea. Sleeping on Denise. And she's actually like, you've heard it. I mean, you might not, I didn't know it right off the bat, but like, uh, let's hear it for the boy from the footloose soundtrack. Oh, that's sure. Her. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. So that's her. I mean, I like this song. I really like that. She's like, do you hear what I, and then instead she's like, do you hear it? She's <laughs> like, so good. Yeah. But I, I said, the only so problem good. is that it lacks that epic grandeur. Like after I thought about Bob's, I was like, that's the only thing. And then I was like, what is it that lacks the epicness? Obviously the eighties, vibe is is hard but i was like it's probably the sax solo Mm. that's probably (laughs) what gets me (laughs) take takes me out of it a little bit track three winter wonderland uh great great stuff from bob great chorus obviously we're doing the whole you know drum stuff too which again it's like it it just works on two levels it works on the 1940s level and the 1740s yeah well I, i really like the fiddle in this one too it's a nice like line through the song then we and then uh our other version on here which again you can listen to on spotify uh see that my playlist is kept clean or type in christmas on google we're gonna be the first thing there don't even worry about it i don't know how to get to our stuff i need you to that's true that's true uh again you can listen to all these and i definitely recommend uh doing that we're not going to play once for every single one uh but we might play this one which is uh the category here is jazz only and so we did captain jazz's uh, version of Winter Wonderland from their compilation record, An, An Alphabet of Politology. Yeah. Have you heard of Captain Jazz? I have absolutely not heard of Captain Jazz, and that is Captain like Captain Crunch. You got to take out the T and the A and the I. You got to take it away. Um, so it starts off with, it, it starts with a totally different song. It's like a beautiful, sad, I was like, what the fuck is this song? And then just unceremoniously that fades out within the first like 10 seconds and then goes into this really, really strange version of this song. Uh, I like it, but also I hate it. So the time is really weird. Like I was playing this and Stacia was was in the room and she was like, is this song like fucked up and slowed down? I was like, yeah, there's something really wrong with this song. But I also kind of like the quality of it where it's just like people, it, it feels like a bunch of friends sitting around who were, who were like in a making real mute, like real quote unquote, like who were actually like working on a project and they're like, dude, it's Christmas. Let's, uh, let's play Winter Wonderland or something. And they just like all started drunkenly singing it out of time, random trumpet, just like whatever. And so that, I really love that quality about it. But as someone who like can't stand offbeat, not right, whatever music, <laughs> terrible, terrible. Yeah. Uh, this is from Mike uh, and Tim Kinsella uh, from Chicago. They um, are better known for being members of bands after uh, Captain Jazz broke up. Uh, Joan of Arc, The Promise Ring, Owen, oh. and American Football. Oh, so, shit, okay. Uh, these are the same people that bring you them, uh, but this band was only here for a moment, and they actually got back together. They played like Riot Fest and stuff in like the, you know, 2015, 2017, something like that. Oh, so. that's fun. Track number four, Hark the Herald Angels Sing, and this, all I, my only note, again, is probably the note I've had for five years now, which is boo. <laughs> boo. I don't like it. <laughs> it's fine, dude. I have like such uh, a, a kind, deferential feeling towards this album this year that i'm just like this is fine i need it and it's fine it's this or dolly i'm going back to dolly if i don't listen to this so this is fine on our playlist our category is punk except for that one time that we did an old classic soul version from aretha franklin <laughs> so these are sort of punk records even though last year we did rob halford for this uh at least we forget oh, nice, yes. and this one this time is hawk nelson who i'd never heard of but again our prolific 
uh, multiple records, um, highly regarded. Uh, turns out they are a Christian band. Yeah. So I was feeling weird about just any song that's just like we're punk, punkish, and we're like talking about Christ and like offspring of a virgin's womb. I'm like, Ugh, yeah, not a great look. But then I'm like, oh, okay, you're just kind of a. You're just a, a Christian, you know, rock band, basically, from Ontario. Yeah, well, I was shocked that this was from a compilation called Pump, Pop Punk Christmas from this year. I was like, oh, my God, we still do pop punk compilations in the year of our Lord 2021. So and I was like, this is excellent. And I, like, I just didn't realize there was a huge pop punk hole in my life because it's been so like it's such an early 2000s moment for me. And it was, it was really refreshing to, to hear that, especially from a compilation title as such, because that's what we used to get. Pop goes punk or pop, punk goes pop. Punk goes acoustic. But so, yeah, I did pop. I, I went into their little their uh, bio and uh, like I was like, oh, OK, they're wow, a pop punk band in 2021. Let me see what they're working with. And the, like the I went to the, the Spotify like top song and I was like, oh, this feels mm-hmm. Jesusy. And I scrolled. Down, I was like, it oh, it is. Well, don't worry. The lead singer um, posted on Instagram in 2020 that he no longer has faith in God. He thanked everybody afterwards for his support. And then uh, a couple of days later, changed his bio to former singer of Hawk Nelson. So currently the singer is no longer in the band. So a sad, sad news from our from our um, podcast special that we're doing for Christmas. I'm sorry. Shout what? out to the Hawk Nelson, former Hawk Nelson lead singer. I hope you're doing okay out there, buddy. Thanks for listening. Lost my faith in God. Gotta go. Peace. <laughs> Anyways, check number five. I'll be home for Christmas. Uh, like Hark, this is the point for me where I kind of space out. And like Bob is actually like actively in my way of enjoying it. And I like that reminder because then it's like, oh, listen to the instruments more, you idiot. <laughs> so then I do. And it's like, God, these guys are so fucking talented and everything happening here is wonderful but i did write here that it is a long two minutes and 54 seconds for sure it, like it just it feels longer than that yeah and that's not great yeah i mean his vocals are tough on this one but again it's such like this is that song that that every time it, it gets played or whatever uh it goes mm-hmm. the money goes to charity or whatever and, i mean this whole album was for bob but specifically that song right yeah no i know what you're talking about i don't know if it's this song it's because it's like no one song, owns right? it right it's like it's some charity owns like the person who wrote it wrote it for this charity so that means every time someone re-records it or plays it right. the money goes to that charity or whatever right to that i hope it's that one it's definitely one of these yeah i yeah. know what you're talking i mean we've about. definitely talked about this on every episode so the fact that you were like we've done this before let's move on i totally appreciate it and let's move on well, and also uh, go back, stop the track right now, go back to our first Christmas. This is, you don't understand right now, but they, it's all layered upon layer upon layer. So everything you're hearing right now are just, there are many references to things we've done before. You know, we're, what we do here, it's like 20 dimensional chess. So go back to, go back to 20, go back to 2017 and start over if you're feeling lost. Um, hey, this, lost. Talking lost. about old times. <laughs> Do you even still have that sound effect? Yeah, this one, uh, this does not have a category. This this is the only one um, that refuses to be constrained by any sort of genres. And I just let it go. I, I've tried to, but I can't do it. So I just let it go. And in in this case, uh, we did Lisa Ann um, from I'll Be Home for Christmas. This was a single of hers from last year. In fact, one year ago to our recording of this on December 19th, 2021, it came out in 2020 so happy birthday i'm gonna have to say that it's probably liza and not lisa because it's liza with a z not lisa with an s cue that liza minnelli song it's liza with a z not lisa with an s because lisa with an s goes snods it's z instead of s lie instead of lee it's simple as can be see liza i do it again it's liza with a z not lisa with an s because lisa with an s goes snods it's z instead of s lie instead of lee it's simple as can be see liza and it's great 
I like it. It's like this lo-fi, but there's also steel drums. It's just, it's a completely different version of this song uh, that doesn't go uh, metal, you know, or like an, or rapper, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's not an easy, let's turn this thing on its head kind of genre change, but it's totally different. It does not sound like the song at all, but also still is the song, you know? I don't know. Very, very cool. Are those sleigh bells that I hear? I don't know. Are they? Track number six, Little Drummer Boy. Thanks for bringing us in, <laughs> Little Drummer Boy. He's riding in the sleigh. With bells. <laughs> um, this point for me is very frustrating because we've had three bangers to start off the record. Three slower, dirgier tracks, if you will. And the whole traditional thing is, yeah, I'm just starting to kind of lose the sense of things here. And this one is like so tied to, again, like we have to do the rum-a-dum-dum. Like I want to hear a little drummer boy that doesn't have drums. <laughs> like the, it doesn't rely on drums <laughs> at all. And let's see what we can pop off with. <laughs> it's it's completely anathema. It's not correct. Nobody wants that. I get that. But I need it. I just can't wait for Must Be Santa. Oh, is yeah. what I'm saying. That's what we're waiting for. And so I'm I'm not at this point I'm just not super into it and I don't I don't I just don't like the drums that's all I'm gonna say the the the, the artists are great they're doing a great job but I don't care for it yeah I, I you can't be the first person in history to say uh, I wish the little drummer board drew, little drummer boy didn't have drums but I I do appreciate that you said it without drums <laughs> yes it just needs to be on the tape somewhere just, you know either from this podcast and just like in general the Christmas classic the, the little boy that's what we need <laughs> no no the little drummer boy with no drums. And you're just like, where's the drums? You're waiting for the drums and they don't come. Yep. Or at the end, we just get like a little film <laughs> and that's it. Just... <laughs> and it's not even on the snares, right? It's like on a fucking, you know, Tom Tom or something. Oh, go back so to the steel drum. Liza Ann. The bar of the steel drum. Steel drum. <laughs> there you go. Uh, let's bring the little drummer boy into the 21st century or more like 1980s Jamaica. That would be fine. <laughs> yes. Um this one, the category on our playlist is boy bands, except for that one time that we did Bad Religion, for whatever reason. Um, last year we did Neil Diamond, so we're kind of pushing because, like, I thought every boy band or like band, because Destiny's Child is what we opened it up, right. you know, five years ago with. Um, I thought that they would do this, but it turns out of all the pop stars of that era, they don't all cover the exact same songs. <sighs> so it was really annoying to me. So we did 98 Degrees two years ago. Neil Diamond we did last year. Uh, which was like loathsome. And I have to say like Johnny Mathis, very famous guy. Everyone loves him. Denise Williams uh, had like a, a hit song with him oh, okay. back in the eighties as well. I don't know what to think. I like, I don't like this. I don't like this. I don't like it. Any, any of so it. I didn't know who this guy was, but I was like, I've definitely heard his name before. I thought he was a football player. He's not a football player. He's just a vocal jazz singer. So uh, he, I went into his bio for a second and he like, of his top 10 Spotify tracks, seven of them are Christmas songs. I was like, what the fuck does this guy sing? And I, none of them sounded familiar, but it's, it was just like, he's one of the vocalists from the 60s. So it was like right after everybody was kind of turning on the rack, Rat Pack era, all that, like D Martin and, and everybody going, you know, like out of fashion, he just held on and he just kept doing it. And, and he apparently, I was like, wow, this song is really, his version is, is pretty faithful, but it's also like dramatic without being sad. And I was like, it has this operatic quality. Turns out motherfucker trained as an opera singer before he went oh, into pop see. music. I was like, gotcha. I gotcha, Johnny. So, yeah, and I got no problems with his voice. I got no problems with the thing, the rendition. It's just faithful. It's just yeah. exactly what you expect it to be. And he does have a lot of Christmas songs. And he has six Christmas albums, starting from 1958's Merry Christmas all the way to 2013's Sending You a Little Jesus. Christmas. I'm like, six fucking albums. That's too many. My guy. It's too many. It's it's six too many. Um, <laughs> track number seven, The Christmas Blues. Yes. 
Um, no need sewn out here. So like this brought me back out because this was a great, great version. The band's moving. Bob Dylan's working with the band. Uh, Joy of Joys. I loved it. Uh, bluesy, but subdued. It's great. Do you think he's doing and this? The- is also two minutes and 54. And it is a great two minutes and 54. I loved it. And also harmonica. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think he's doing the harmonica on this one? I don't know. I mean, he at that point, man, he, he really wasn't doing it that often. But I can't imagine he wouldn't do the harmonica. It's just I, so I restrained. Know. He's always such a like spaz on the harmonica. I feel like maybe but not it's in not this him. era anymore. Uh, our other versions of this are Christmas blues, yay or nay, which is fine. Um, so in this case here, we did Christmas. Bl- I believe it's called Christmas blues, right? I didn't yeah, even write down by Gatemouth Moore. By Gatemouth Moore. Do you do you know anything about Gatemouth Moore? I sure do not. Gatemouth Moore was born in 1913 in Topeka. Pretty cool. Love me some Kansas stuff. He is not to be confused, Kelly, with Clarence Gatemouth Brown, which I first started looking into because I thought it was Gatemouth Moore. <laughs> uh, Gatemouth Brown, just so we are all clear, is a Blues Hall of Famer. Uh, according to his Wikipedia, is, quote, famously a resident of Texas. Uh, he is regarded as one of the great blues fiddle players and, like, American fiddle music. Like, he's in the pantheon, uh, if you will. But, no, this is not him. Not the guy from Texas. This is Gatemouth Moore. Uh, from Topeka, Kansas. Good to know. Uh, he was a blues gospel singer. He worked with B.B. King and Rufus Thomas. How did he get his name, you might ask? Some people think it's just because he was loud. But he's, he's, he constantly repeated the refrain that there was a performance in Atlanta where a drunken woman kept telling him to, quote, sing it, you gatemouth son of a bitch. Oh, my God. This is fucking incredible. <laughs> and then I found out something new, which is fucking crazy. In 1940, he was working with the Walter Barnes band if you will and he happened to just be outside of the hall as they were playing and this is known today which i never heard of called the natchez rhythm club fire and before uh the um 19 this is 1940 before the coconut grove disaster in 1942 in boston which killed 492 people this was the this was the biggest club fire death Killed 209 people there was only one exit in the club spanish moss because we're down in mississippi um, on, on the river, you know, in Natchez, it's just, you know, the Spanish moss apparently caught on fire and just like subsumed because it was just everywhere and it just burned everybody from the inside. I had no idea. And he just happened to be outside Walter Brown, Walter Barnes and nine of his, um, nine of his bandmates were killed in, in the, in it, which is absolutely incredible. Um, anyways, he kept singing, uh, influencing people became a minister. He's in the blues hall of fame as well. Um, he's cool he sounds really cool i really like this version as well and i think it's more interesting to me than bob dylan's yeah i was impressed that it started off as um jingle bells because i was like oh we're doing jingle bells that's not this song and then oh okay it's also not the song that that bob is singing right it's not the same song i wasn't paying attention so listener out there if you're listening uh tweet at us sotw pod everywhere let us know if uh the christmas blues by Gatemouth Moore is the same one that bob dylan is singing thank you very much <laughs> track number eight, oh come all ye faithful Ugh. that's a destus fidelis right same song yes it, well celine you know that you know it's specifically as that yes yeah is well, that where we're at right now so we're at an impasse here on the podcast we've introduced <laughs> the dramatic element at this point well we're 48 minutes into this podcast class <laughs> class uh yeah i 
I don't know. I, well, I just wrote it down as a Destus Fidelis because of Celine, mm-hmm. I think. So I was like, that's the same song, right? <laughs> right. Well, and so you might disagree with this as well. And I think I disagree with this as well. Uh, the other version that we do is, you know, in, in my head, dreadful, predictable. Uh, so we've done on Enya before, Weezer before, um, and Celine Dion. But I got to say, man, Celine. The drama. I think I, her voice is incredible. And like the choir that comes in is just like, wow. It was really cool. I mean, I, I don't know if I could listen to it more than twice. And this is also peak Celine. Oh, yeah. At least we forget. You know, this happened right after My Heart Will Go On uh, from Let's Talk About Love. And the album before in 1996, she had um, Because because You Loved Me and It's All Coming Back to Me Now. Yeah, I re-listened to that entire fucking album earlier this year because that was part of my nostalgia dive. Oh, yeah, yeah. that's right. And that's all. Incredible. So you're already well-versed. Oh, yeah, you're ready to well, go. Well, that's, that's why I was like. I I'm really glad I went back and listened to her. I was like, yeah, this uh, everything I said is the same. She like that woman can fucking sing, man. She's like a, a musical instrument of her own thing, and she cannot be denied. And she made this super dramatic and super full of gravitas. Oh yeah. And you know, if you're looking for that thing, look no further than Celine Dion. Amen. Okay, Kelly, now's the time, signaled by the sound that you're hearing of sleigh bells, where where we move on to our top 20. So we're going to go through uh, from number 20 down to number 11, and then we'll come back and do our final top 10 uh, later on. So if you're not familiar with the the format here, go back to our, um, go back to 2017. Like I said before, go back and start over and then learn the format and then you will not be confused. <laughs> Kelly, number 20, number 20 for you of 2021. Uh, my number 20 recommendation of this year was the documentary I watched about the Wrecking Crew, which was the studio band in California from the like 50s to 70s. I think that was basically if you heard a record, Beach Boys, if you heard a pop record in that time period they were playing on it more than likely. And it was really, really cool. I mean, it talked a little bit about, because Phil Spector was there at the end a little bit and just like, Brian Wilson, he was like, I want a fucking orchestra, basically. Not not an orchestra, but like, I want the most talented, the best fucking musicians and I want this crazy kind of big sound. And it's like, four guys on stage aren't going to be able to make those sounds and you're going to run these people into the ground trying to get them to, to play that well. So, it, uh, it was really cool. I'm glad I watched it. I can grew. And I think it was like, free on like, Tubi or some one of the million fucking streaming sites. And I found it on YouTube, so you can definitely get it on YouTube as well. And if you are familiar with the format, then you know that number twenty for me is twenty overlooked records that I never got a chance to talk about. Cheating, cheating, cheating. Cheat immediately, (laughs) and I'm going to cheat multiple times on this whole thing. Uh, Laura Stevenson, uh, self-titled record, excellent. Churches came out with a new album called Screen Violence, and Kelly, that might be you should listen to that. Pretty good stuff. Indigo Spark, Echo, she's like a, just an indie singer-songwriter. Uh, Every Time I Die came out with an excellent record called Radical. Uh, Between the Buried and Me came out with their uh, follow-up to the classic Colors back in 2007 with Colors 2. <laughs> Pretty good. Uh, Spirit of the Beehive, Entertainment, Death, Great, Ice Age, getting a lot of press. Uh, Seek Shelter is their record. Uh, Paloma Mami, as I talked about before, she had an album called Sueños de Dali, which is uh, excellent. Uh, just like 30 minutes of just like pop bangers uh thrice horizons east west came out with a new album excellent dry cleaning new long leg 
floating points you'll probably bring up later on in this podcast, so I'll leave it there. Pharaoh Sanders uh, promises. Modu Mokhtar, uh, Africa Vic- Af- May, um, is getting a lot of press as well and is in a lot of people's like top tens. Uh, Fiddlehead, Between the Richness, Free Throw, Piecing It All Together, Faye Webster, I Know I'm Funny, Ha Ha. The Illuminati Hotties came out with a new album called Let Me, Let Me Do One More. Uh, Indigo de Souza, Any Shape You Take. Sufjan Stevens came out with another album uh, with Angelo de Augustine, A Beginner's Mind, which I loved because it's him and a guitar, and it's very quiet, and it's very folky, and it is wonderful. Idols, Crawler, and finally Snail Mail with Valentine. Excellent stuff. And I could go on with like 20 more albums that I never got a chance to say. It was a pretty good year. I wouldn't know because I don't listen to music or play music or participate in music (laughs) culture of any kind. Number 19, a music playlist mm, from yeah, Spotify. 2022. Uh, you can <laughs> uh, pollen, again, man, I, I just like the, the Pollen playlist on Spotify. It's updated, I think, weekly. Um, it, it tends to like the way it's updated. I think they kind of just like shift down. Right. So I think it's the whatever 50 songs it is. And then they add like five new and then just kind of rotate them out. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, mm. every time I like I yeah. want to I want music in my ears, but I don't I can't think I cannot possibly think of curating my own playlist experience right now or like a single album like i can't name a single album right now period from any musician that's ever existed in the history of time uh so i'm just gonna put on this pollen spotify playlist and it never disappoints so it's it's perfect it's it's eclectic enough and it's vibe like the exact kind of thing that i i want where like you it's not distracting but it's also engaged engaging like it's it's good music that's not just like a droning thing which i also really love but it's um not not distracting so if i want to work and listen to music at the same time it's always perfect my number 19 is uh, a band called the weather station their album ignorance this came out in like early february possibly january um so really early in the year uh good stuff um i'm surprised people have memory enough to remember it after such a stupid long year where people are like <laughs> oh yeah this album i'm like oh yeah i forgot about this one so um but it's really good and like all the songs that are on it that i like saved and are just really, really song are strong. I recommend separated subdivisions. Uh, Try to tell you excellent stuff, Kelly. Number eighteen for you, Archer, the television series mm. Archer. I we you and I used to watch it kind of you know weekly as it came on. I feel like we we would watch it, um, and I I just kind of kind of felt you just forget you forget about stuff when it goes away, especially if it's not like regular season and like you don't have cable anymore. You whatever you just you just forget stuff exists. I do at least all the fucking time. Uh, so I realized that I hadn't watched the like the last or the most recent two or three seasons, which, by the way, they just finished airing, I think, another season without Jessica Walters, which is a bummer because R.I.P. But Jesus. Um, wow. R.I.P. Yeah, it's so good. That show is so good, man. It's still great. And and the most recent three seasons that I hadn't watched were excellent. They were all like um, Archers in a Coma. So they're all like genre like uh, reinterpreted ideas of it so there's like a noir season there's a, a, a sci-fi season and then a like a um, jungle cruise season where it's like that uh, treasure island kind of kind of vibe to it so archer's great watch archer <laughs> number 18 for me is going to be I'm, a lot of m- more movies than i've ever watched in a long time but also music movies in particular yeah. uh, we watched together sound of metal framing britney was this year at least we forget um she's been freed as well so free britney we did it <laughs> We did it, America. Uh, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, we watched All as well. Right, uh, Kitty, we watched the documentary on Kitty. Um, Woodstock 99, of course, which is one our, on our last our last episode. I don't know why that was funny. That's true. We did I, know, I forgot. <laughs> we also watched one on Tina Turner as yes, well. Yes, that I remember. Uh, and also, I, I don't know if you watched this, but 
Todd Haynes did a, I'm, I'm, a little spoiler for the future, but Todd Haynes did a, a documentary, excellent, on the Velvet Underground. Oh, uh, cool. And of course, Peter Jackson did The Beatles Get Back that came out over Thanksgiving. That is absolutely phenomenal, too. But like my brain just can't like process all of those. So like, yeah, in amongst all of this and like, you know, the 50th anniversary of All Things Must Pass by George Harrison, it's like. God, I just like music movies have been great and they definitely like put me on to going back and listening to records from the era and, and the time period. So, you know, keep watching music movies. Yes. Everyone. For sure. Number 17 for you, Kelly. Uh, the band Metallica. Not sure if anyone's oh, ever heard, heard of them, them before. Heard of them. It's one of those. Indie band, right? Yeah. yeah little little guys. Um it's one of those things like where I went through with Susie and the Banshees and the B-52s and all those things where it's like, this is a band that everyone listens to. But Metallica was a little different for me because I like was obstinate. I like I for some reason I took that as like, I can't like Metallica because Metallica sucks. So I'm just yeah. never going to listen. I had to that them. same thought. Same same thoughts. So. Right. Like I used to be like, I won't right. even date someone if they like Metallica as if oh, like, wow. you know, that's high. <laughs> like, <laughs> everyone wants to date me. So if they like Metallica, thin in that herd. Uh, we're done. Yeah. For no reason. I, I think just because it I mean, if we're talking yeah. late nineties Metallica or even like mid nineties Metallica, fair enough. They're terrible. And like it's like I don't want to listen to fucking Saint Anger or all that like all those bad things, they are correct takes. However, right. Kirk Hammond is an amazing fucking guitarist. And I mean so is James Hetfield in his own right. I mean, like, call him rhythm guitarist if you want to, but that man can play the guitar so fast. Way faster than sure. I ever could. And it's just really, really good their first four albums like fucking there's a reason why they set the standard and i think that them calling themselves metallica because they're they're the metal band was totally fair <laughs> yeah and i listened to uh you know the 60 songs that define the 90s and they did an episode on inner sandman which was excellent too uh contextualizing all of that and again i think it's they make a great point in there which is like we're a little bit too young where like right. my first experience for real you know you can maybe get loaded in there but like it's definitely saint anger it's right. definitely the drums it's napster it's lars being in a deck yeah. it's that fucking documentary that came out where they're like in therapy with one another it's all of that yeah, that's, that's what why i think of when i think yeah, of metallica man. and i don't think about the real shit the fucking stuff that they were making in the 80s even up to inner sandman for me i mean obviously everybody knows that song and that was when they were good and like that was good stuff and then it was i, I only know them as the bad yeah you know so you do have to remind yourself they they're pretty good yeah we're just a little too young i think that that is what it is like we they still existed comp- contemporaneously to us like getting our own like a little bit of autonomy and when that happened it was the napster the bullshit the terrible the it was a backlash of, on of them yeah yeah because they were just you know rich rock stars yep. fuck them so uh i was gonna number 17 go through a deep dive deep dive in jazz i read a lot of books this year i read a lot of like academic papers and stuff for another project i'm doing so i spent a fuck ton of time in my 50s jazz playlist that was over you know 90 hours of music that i've just been working my way down but instead i'm going to put here a conversation i had the other day with my sister and my friend christine about jay-z's black album but danger mouse's remix of it with the Beatles songs. The Grey Album? Called The Grey Album. Yeah. Did you ever listen to The Grey Album back in 2003? No, definitely not. But we talked about it after the fact. And I think I listened to like a little tiny bit of it because you can find it online some places. But I, that's that was when I was going through the I've never listened to The Beatles thing. So I just like actually listened to The White Album. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting thing. Anyway. Continue. Yeah, no, I just, I'm just trying to describe uh, to, to anybody a little bit older who just never experienced that at all. This was a huge Napster thing, just because to bring it up, I mean, it's a perfect p- piggyback. But I mean, I remember that coming out, Jay-Z's Black Album, his retirement album in 2003, and then Danger Mouse, who is now a internationally respected, worked with Beck, 
you know, and, uh, and he worked with, um, the dude from the shins, they had their own band. Um, and he was the one who did it just in his bedroom. He just took the white album, mixed it with the black album and it became the gray album. And it was such a big thing back in the day. And obviously he got sued to hell and back. It's never seen the light of day, but you can still find it on YouTube, but it is pretty weird. But it was also an occasion for me to like, have to try to explain like what, like sampling with hip hop. Like I played her 99 problems with Helter Skelter. She's like, is that the song? And I was like, no, the whole point is it's not the song. He released a whole album with the song uh, by itself. But she's like, I've never heard 99 problems. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. Now we're, now we're in like, we're in a weird realm that I, I don't know how to explain Jay-Z. I don't know how to explain 99 right. problems. So if I have to do those things, then I'm out of my depth. But, um, but I do encourage people. I mean, it's something that's kind of mem- been memory hold only because Danger Mouse became huge. And it's like, he doesn't want to talk about it. Apple, um, who owns the Beatles stuff, you know, they're never going to consent right. to this coming out unless the Beatles start to, to flag in some way. Um, although now they're all so rich and famous. It's like, it would be weird not to do it, but it won't happen for another like 20 years or something. But when it does, it'll be fucking amazing. And um, I highly recommend go out and bootleg it, figure, figure out how to listen to it at the at very least. Listen to 99 problems. Cause it's Number 16 for you. Yeah. Number 16 for you. The band God is an astronaut. Um, They came out with all is violent, all is bright live uh, this year. I think, I think the beginning of this year. Mm -hmm. And I, there was a band that's always been kind of floating around bands that I listen to and and like kind of genres that I enjoy, which is like atmosphere kind of stuff. And uh, it's really good. I never, I never actually listened to it. There, I so I listened to their whole discography a couple times. And there's a few songs on some albums where they do vocals, where they do stuff that I'm just like, this is not thematically correct <laughs> in my mind. Uh, but, but overall, they, I think they have like eight albums. They're great. They're great. So if you if you are into atmospheric metal adjacent music uh, that's mostly without vocals check out god as an astronaut for sure and in the, the live version of their album i think it was like the 10th anniversary of all is violent all is bright um it, it's it's really really good I, I i was so impressed that you could get that kind of sound live and and really just like I, I mean there's something to be said about doing a live version that completely reconstructs the original song where it's almost unrecognizable so it's like you feel like you've unlocked an achievement because like i know what song that is even though it sounds nothing like that song but i think there's also something incredible to be able to produce like a studio quality sound because your your musicians are so keyed in and they're so talented uh yeah. to, to recreate that and, and it's not 100 percent the same right but it's still i don't know very cool yeah there you go god is an astronaut number 16 for me is a is a, a girl her name is cassandra jenkins the album is an overview on phenomenal nature um, she's great because she's like a singer songwriter, number one, but number two, it's like almost spoken word, um, which is really cool. It reminds me of a band called destroyer, um, where it's just kind of like, not like Bob Dylan, where people make fun of him for like talk singing, but like, she's literally just talking and she's like painting this world over these beautiful, uh, rhythms and stuff. Um, hard drive in particular is like on so many top 10 lists and stuff. And it really made me go back. Um, cause this was another early album and I went back to re-listen to it and it's fucking Really, really good. I definitely want to be sitting out 
in nature or something while I listen to this, like sitting on a, a cliff in California over the ocean. Uh, number 15 for you, Kelly. Tor, T-O-R. Uh, the album is Oasis Sky. Mm. Uh, Tor is another like ambient electronic artist, Shocker, uh, that I really enjoy. I think the last album was um, Blue Book, which I very much enjoyed. Um, this one, I think, is even better. So, mm. uh, yeah, Oasis Sky. Check it out. Number 15 for me is a simple one. Don Richard, second line. Oh, I love Richard, her yeah. so much, and I will continue to love her. So that's the end of that story. It was really cool. Uh, it was like the first quarter of this year. She kept releasing singles because that's, you know, what you do. You kind of release your singles to lead up the album. Yeah. And every one was like a little bit different. I did like, I think she went and talked to her mom at some point on one of the tracks, which is yeah, very yeah. cool. Very uh, localized. It's like uh, Atlanta has a very specific rap scene and stuff like sometimes breaks out of that. But like if you're in Atlanta, you know, all this stuff, this like great music that other people are never going to listen to. So it's kind of cool to get a peek into to uh new orleans through her even if it's just like a little little snippet and like who knows what she's gonna do next right she could go bon iver and go to a wisconsin cabin and who knows what will come out of that like I'm, it's always cool with her where she starts showing back up and you're like huh what what is this next record gonna look like so kelly number 14 for you and second line is just uh, i'm sorry <laughs> like i'm never gonna get over the john Richard thing uh that's that's a new orleans thing too that's a jazz procession situation uh run the jewels so I never had actually listened to Run the Jewels, front to back, back to front, whatever the hell. Was it this year? No, it was last year uh, that 4 came out, Run the Jewels 4. Uh, so I fi- finally went back and listened to it all, and it's just good. It's good, man. It's, it's good. Real good. The whole thing is good. Listen They're to Run the Jewels. It's good. Number 14 for me is my number one artist on Spotify Unwrapped this year. My deepest of deep dives, Little Guy, you might have heard of him, Elvis Presley. Oh. Uh, which is funny. I know. I was like, oh, my God. I really like, yeah, I genuinely listen to, what, like 350 songs by him just because they're short, sweet. There's so many. So I just went through the 50s. Like I just got through the 50s. And I haven't even listened to 60s Elvis yet. So um, beyond, like, the big stuff, you know, That's All Right, Mystery Train, Blue Mood, all of those big ones. Here's just a couple other ones that I enjoyed that aren't really on the radar or talked about that often. Um, so just uh, really quickly, I Want You, I Need You, I Love You off Golden Records. I Got Stung. Off of 50 Million Elvis Fans Can't Be Wrong. Crawfish from the much derided King Creole soundtrack, but is really beautiful. Uh, and I Want to Be Free from A Date with Elvis. I think that's 1959. So that would be, those would be a couple suggestions to get you in. But uh, Elvis, I mean, you can't really go that wrong. So hmm. good luck. Number 13 for you, Kelly. My mom saw Elvis as uh, in her 20s, I think, awesome. in Colorado. Yeah. So wild. It's and wild that he was like still around, like around, just yeah. like living. I mean, life. it definitely was not. It was the decline, Elvis, for sure. But still, it's like, oh yeah, in my head, those things don't exist contemporaneously. My mother being a person oh, in the I world know. and Elvis being <laughs> Elvis. He he died on my mom's birthday as well, like like, like the day she was born. So, no, no. Oh. Her her and Madonna, however, are the same age. Wow, same year. That's nineteen fifty eight. I know. So it all. He also died on Madonna's birthday. So wow. Fair enough. Because my mom. Okay. Because <laughs> number thirteen for you. <laughs> uh, a little guy, which I was gonna throw this in your face when you were like six Ooh. Christmas albums is too many Christmas albums. Oh no. Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> I didn't even think about that, but it's true. It's true. Uh, and he's not even on our playlist either. So spoiler. I know, but he has been. Wild. I think every other year. Oh, every year. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Yes. So, um, not his Christmas albums, but the rest of his oeuvre, with the exception of. This, the thing that came out 
this year. The Ascension. The Ascension. Yes, that was from last year. Yes, I think I may have listened to, but I don't know if I got all the way up to that. I think I was listening to Brett. Bummer. The Ascension is one of his best songs. Anyway, Super Friends Stevens is good. Final verdict. I was a holdout for a long time. Uh, for no real reason other than I'm like, yeah, he's a Christian singer. I've been sometimes that makes me feel weird. But he's he's definitely an exception. Um, where like it doesn't feel like he's trying to indoctrinate me. He just has a person who has faith who makes music. And like those things can exist at the same time without being the only reason you're making the music, which is very cool. So good stuff. I like Sufjan Stevens, I guess, or whatever. Agree. And his Christianity <laughs> is definitely the type of Christianity that I respect. Number 13 for me, speaking of uh, getting dates wrong, the, the date of uh, vacation by Bomb the Music Industry was 2011. And Jeff Rosenstock put out the um, the demos, which he did for Scrambles back in 2000. And, well, it'd be 2019 for 2009s. Uh, but he released the 10-year anniversary, put out the, the, the vacation demos, which a lot of them, you know, became the songs. You can tell what they are. Um, it, it's it's really cool. It's, it's cool to hear... A, a you know stripped down version especially at that point bomb was less of just a band that jeff rosenstock made songs on his computer and they were much more of a fully fledged band i mean and that was the last bomb the music industry record before he went off to make solo stuff so it's like it's kind of cool to have the early bomb aesthetic on the vacation album that is really lush and beautiful and sort of like is very portentous to the quality of music that he's making today it's one of the few records like in the world that will just instantly invoke a time period, a place period, like 2011 driving across the U.S. I listened to this so many times, and I still fucking love it. And the demos are whatever. You don't really need to do that. But if you've never listened to Vacation or Bomb the Music Industry, highly recommend it, of course. And Jeff Rosenstock has famously been my number one two years um, of the five that we've been doing this shenanigan shit that we're doing here. So please go listen to Jeff Rosenstock. <laughs> Kelly, number 12 for you. Uh, Tyler, the creator, call me if you get lost, came out this year. Yes. Very good album. That's it. <laughs> Very good. What's your favorite song? Lumberjack. The song Wilshire specifically is great. I, it's just a really like, cause that's when we're talking about, um, he's basically had this long-term affair with a friend, um, and yeah. like dealing with how that feels and being in it, but also like recognizing that it's fucked up that you're doing it and just like, uh. yeah. so excellent album. He's Excellent. another another great follow up. I think that um, Flower Boy was definitely stronger than Igor, but this is a great like return to Igor was fine too. But like this is um, number twelve for me is uh, a couple of bands out of out of uh, South London, Brixton, you know shit like Go that. Um, three bands in particular: Shame, uh, Drunk Tank, Pink, uh, a band called Black Midi, the album Cavalcade, and probably my my most interesting one of all of them: Black Country, New Road, um, their album for the first time. All of these like. Less so shame. They're just more of like a traditional, like uh, idols, post-punk, really in-your-face type of band. But Black Midi and fucking Black Country New Road, who do have had like interactions, same members kind of working on it. It is like rock, indie, avant-garde, jazz, all this kind of, all these elements that are together. Black Midi is probably a nightmare for you, Kelly. You probably don't want to wade into that because that description is not up your alley. But I think Black Country New Road is like the jazz is way more subdued. Mm -hmm. And it does the it's a lot. Again, it's like um, with um, Jenkins. It's a lot of spoken word type of stuff. And it's just really interesting stories. The songs are longer. So there's like, you know, eight minutes to like let it all breathe. Um, so, yeah, if you want to listen to a couple songs, you know, Black Country New Road, I would say Science Fair and Sunglasses are really good. Um, Nigel Hitter by shame like 
maybe one of the best songs of the year. And Black Midi has a song called John L that came out. Black Midi for me is like the one that I have the hardest time with. But yeah, all this stuff is going on in South London. And apparently it's a thing, Kelly. We got to go to South London so we can learn the geography and understand British humor. I stayed in, in, in South London. I was, you know, Electric Avenue, man. I saw the real Electric Avenue, the one they sing the song about. This is right there. Number 11. Speaking of British people, Arlo yes. Parks. Uh, oh, yes. Collapse in Sunbeams came out early mm-hmm. this year. Uh, she's great, man. What a oh, yeah. great little... She likes ladies, which I'm into also, you know, and rapping about that. And it's like, it's not really rap. It's like kind of like R&B, but I don't know. It's really great stuff. Um, every every track on the album is excellent, uh, but, you know, Black Dog, Eugene, and uh, Caroline uh, are probably the standout ones. Uh, yeah, Arlo Parks, if you haven't listened to her stuff, do it. Hell yeah. And number 11 for me is Deep Dive Podcast, podcast that I like went through the entirety of. Obviously, I re-listened to um, a, a lot of porno, but I yeah. you know listened to season six three times, uh, including once driving across the country, which was a great way to drive across the country, <laughs> is listening to My Dad Wrote a Porno, which we will be going to see My Dad Wrote a Porno. Uh, hey. <laughs> Fingers fucking crossed for the fucking hundredth time uh, this June. So everybody laugh. Cue the laugh tracks right now. If you're listening in July, which again, what? Why Why are you doing that? Uh, you're wrong about listening to the entire podcast in full uh, to the point where I, right as I got to the end, one of the main hosts left the show. So I, I'm now distraught. I don't know what to do. I'm glad that I listened to it live, though. That's pretty cool. Know Your Enemy. Um, looking at right wing uh thought and books and all that kind of stuff um and sort of the whole point is to understand how your enemy which is the right think and um and not just kind of the baseless trumpian fucking you know fascist impulses that they have but also understanding what sort of ideology underpins them um and sort of you know how they see the constitution how they see society at large and what they not just today but also from the past uh the conservative movement of the 20th century that influences us today in our dystopian hellscape world um so it's a great podcast to understand what is it about the right that obviously has captivated so many fucking people in this country and then the other one is uh five five to four which is a podcast quote unquote via them a podcast on how much the supreme court sucks and it's true they go through all of the supreme court decisions that have sucked over the last couple of years you know decades and they just break down and they just fucking dunk on every single fucking Supreme Court judge and how shitty and stupid and political and vapid they are. And you just love to see it. I was only following instructions when the judge sent me down the road with your subpoena. The peaceful exchange of ideas for you was always all right, Kelly, is the sleigh bell sound that I'm hearing telling us that we're moving on? That's right. We're going to come back to our we're going to come back to our top 20 soon. But this is where we go inside baseball with Bob Dylan. Um, let me think here. Or yeah, you you already did the bells. Oh my god, deja vu. Thank God we're recording this because I feel like we did this last year. We did this last year. 100 percent where i had bells and you had bells i swear to god and last year i said deja vu we've done this before (laughs) why okay all right okay at least it's recorded if you're listening to this podcast and you are feeling deja vu as well go back (laughs) to 2017 as i said before and start listening and then email us not don't don't tweet don't tweet email me an essay about 
how you felt as you listened to us go through Deja Vu in multiple I episodes. can't believe this. <laughs> uh, personal essays only, please. Um, thank you. Uh, Kelly, this is where we introduce two things. One, a new bell that is only going to show up one time. And the next section of our Christmas special. Um, I just got a bottle of wine, so I'm happy. We're going to keep rolling here. And we are going to talk about... Those are pretty great. Graceful. We're going to talk about Bob Dylan. Finally. (laughs) We listened to 15 episodes of Bob Dylan, and this is where I give you the facts about the season, Kelly. Tell me if you... um, you were surprised by any of these facts. The first episode that we did this year was Someday Baby, episode 121, on February 22nd. The last episode we did, LOL, was Guess I'm Doing Fine, which technically comes out tomorrow, the 20th of December, but it should have come out in August. The difference between Someday Baby, that was released on August 29, 2006 with Modern Times, and Guess I'm Doing Fine from roughly January 1963 is 15,946 days, which is 43 years, seven months, and 28 days. Our April Fools this year was Crazy Town. I'm sorry, what the hell did you just say? What's the difference between what and what? The days between. You do this every year. This is deja vu too. So if you're feeling deja vu, <laughs> every time Kelly asks, What did you just do? And I explained it, and I'm not going to explain <laughs> it this time. So we're just going to let it go. <laughs> We'll be here next year, folks. And if, if we're in 2022 when you're listening to this, get ready for her to ask again, what is what is it that we're doing? That's <laughs> pretty good. Uh, episodes this year, our longest episode was Highlands, one hour and 46 minutes. Our shortest episode was Death is Not the End, 58 minutes. Our most listened to uh, song, weirdly, was Blood in My Eyes, the last episode that we put out until 135 comes out. Tomorrow, technically. And our least listened to was Unbelievable, which is fine. Like, I would expect that. No, who, you know, it's a, an unsung Bob Dylan song, and that's kind of the way our podcast works. Good songs get better episodes. Bad songs, not so much. Thank you. If you're an all-the-time listener, you guys are the absolute best. When did we get new microphones? What episode? In season one, we got it on episode 19, Little Maggie. Season two, we got it on episode 72, Isis. <laughs> season three, we got it on our last episode of the season, Episode 100, Dirge. Season four, we soundproofed before the season, and then we moved. Um, the first remote episode was our Christmas special last year. So it was the first time we ever did an episode remote. And season five, I thought we wouldn't do it, but hey, we also upgraded our microphones for Christmas 21. So last year was our first remote, and this year is the introduction of your new mics. So everybody out there is enjoying it. They're, they're loving it, hopefully. Yeah. Uh, total hours recorded. This year, we recorded 21 hours. Uh, this is a down from season one, which we recorded 33 hours, um, plus 14 for Mix of Confusion, plus two and a half for supplementals. Yeah, so we're the production's going a little bit lower, um, as <laughs> you can bit. see on the graph. If if you guys are uh, looking at the graph, uh, which is somewhere, you know, just imagine it. Total number of episodes uh, from, from a high of 64, down to 50, down to 32, down to 22 last year to 16 this year, which really the percentage drop here. We're looking at roughly seven episodes. next Yes. Year. So get ready for that. <laughs> five, five songs this year from the 1960s, two songs from the seventies, two songs from the eighties, four songs from the nineties, two songs from the two thousands, none from the 2010s. Kelly, 
before we get into it and break it down with our plus minuses and all of the, you know, Monday morning quarterback shit that we do, what was your just overall vibe on this season? Um, and then we'll kind of go into your scientific categories um, for like sloggiest and, you know, best lyrics and stuff like that. But just general, how did you feel about this year? Was it as good as others or worse? It's tough because we definitely had a smaller pool to work with, clearly. You know, like we didn't yeah. have as many songs. Yeah. So it's, uh, it feels worse. <laughs> like going back and listening to, to try to prepare my very scientific rankings. Uh, I was like, these are not the best. I feel like last season there was a lot more higher ranked, in my opinion um songs right it, but you know that's fine it's always instructive if nothing else right it's like yeah. i'm getting context not just for bob dylan but for you know this this status of music at the time like what's going on contemporaneously i feel like i've said contemporaneously six times in this episode it must be in my mind for Deja some reason know. the other things happening during the time that bob dylan's recording the things is that better than just using the words distinctly uh it's it's so it's always good it's not like a, it's a waste of time or anything, but um, yeah, I don't know. I feel middling. This was a middling uh, set of, of songs. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, so let's go through your categories and then we'll break down sort of the science on it, but just kind of get the overviews and we'll go through the top and the, the, the least and the worst of each category. So I'm sure you've got it in front of me and you can just kind of elaborate more on, on each one and other stuff you might notice that I don't because I'm kind of just going at the two polar ends, but there might be some overlap that you know about that i don't um how much you like the song um you most liked it's all over now baby blue which got a nine out of ten it's all on a ten point scale the least liked easily was death is not the oh, yeah. end with one so it's you know changing of the guards it's it was tough i wanted to juke the stats yeah. because i i did like it's all over now baby blue but i liked it more because we all you know had such a great experience recording the episode versus like the actual song but that right. played heavily in it in the rankings so just yeah how much i like the song though i think they are pretty evenly matched but i like them for totally different reasons uh level of boredom slash slogginess uh 10 being uh no slog at all one being all the slog the the sloggiest by far were emotionally yours and death is not oh, yeah. the end that got a one the most slog the least slog weirdly was someday baby uh with a nine <laughs> am i reading that correctly <laughs> yeah. Because I wouldn't expect you to say that. Because when we did the episode, you you were dismissive of some elements of it, mainly just the the blues riff that you're not really um, you know keyed into. You don't really want that from Bob. So in my head, it would almost be the repetition of that would be the part of the most mm -hmm. sloggy. But I guess it does kind of roll. So I don't it's know moving. If that's, that's what you're. That's the or, only thing. Like I a little solos too. It just yeah. It just it moves. I feel like re repetitiveness definitely plays into this category, but it's also like just tempo and what, what's going on musically that makes it interesting uh even if it is repetitive yeah. so uh this one might be a little too high but we can move on <laughs> yeah fair enough uh science i mean it's not to you, you you're not juking the stats obviously exactly. you know uh lyrical content uh again 10 would be the best one would be the worst nine for changing of the guards which i i totally agree with and unfortunately uh one is emotionally yours which we have dunked on now twice <laughs> Um, including our Empire Burlesque episode and its own episode. <laughs> um, so it might be the last time we ever really talk about Thank the God. song. So I appreciated that. Uh, so yeah, lyrics, um, you, you're definitely more of a music person, as you've said over and over, but it is good to always talk about the lyrics. So obviously Changing of the Guard stood out mm -hmm. to you, um, whereas Emotionally Yours did yes. not. Uh, was that kind of a, a, an even spread? Were, were you more interested in the lyrics this year or are a lot of them lower? Uh, I mean, I don't think I was necessarily more interested in them, but 
it, when I do key into the lyrics, you're always going to get me with a narrative over like a trite fucking terrible love song, I guess, like emotional ears or, sure. or um, the other one that's terrible that I can't remember now. Um, so yeah, I, if I'm paying attention enough to notice that there's a story going on, you've already kind of won. <laughs> like I'm, I'm interested enough to pay attention to the lyrics. So the fact that, you know, changing the guards is like, I want to know what ha- is going on in the story and I want to unpack it. Sure. That's enough right there. Is my life better? Very um, interesting category. <laughs> 10, it's all over now, baby blue. As you talked about just playing the right. song, it's like that not only makes your life better for a great song in your life, but also like physically, materially, we did stuff. We hung out, we played the song all together with friends. Obviously great. Uh, that was your number one. And uh, the lowest was, uh, everybody say it with me, emotionally <laughs> yours. Um <laughs> But it got a two, not a one. So it gave you a little bit of something, maybe just a shot and on how bad. Well, it's it was. also again like none of it's a waste. I'm never gonna give something like a zero that that's not gonna happen because there is a little value in it. And although I guess I could have sure. given it a one, which is not a zero, it did not occur to me now. Sure. I don't know. It's just like it's good to have a barometer of the depths. I feel like that there's value in that. That's a good point. It's not like you take a list of songs and one of them has to be a, a one or something. It's like the depth can be two. And that's fine. The depth could be five. And like that that means high quality across the board. And the lowest is a five. I like that. Instead of like the worst one has to be one. That's not necessarily true. So I appreciate that. And then the last one, which is my favorite one, which is Rage Against Bob. <laughs> um, ten is no rage. Uh, one is furious. The least rage you had on multiples. Um, as I went out one morning, changing of the guards. It's all over now, baby blue. Uh, almost no rage on there. Most rage. Say it with me again. Emotionally <laughs> yours. Um I like the rage one. I always find that to be interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's it's pretty self-explanatory, but it's just like, do you, it, while listening to this song, am I actively mad that Bob wrote it? And that's a big old yes. It's a big old yes. Unfortunately, yeah. yours. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's, it's tough stuff. Uh, so this is where we go into the plus and minus before we break down like the full... Uh, list of categories and everything like that so this we use my uh, list of songs as the baseline i am one song above you uh one track or one number above you for only one song emotionally yours i have it at number 14 you have it at number 15 so this is your worst songs i think overall this is probably one of the most reviled songs by us in our entire um (laughs) oeuvre with potentially death is not the end which is my last um really getting close there um because we really did not like that song either but emotionally yours um you hated it were you hated it more than me i'll say that you are one above me on two songs ain't talking i have it at number four you have it at number three and death is not the end like i said i have it at 15 you have it at 14 uh, I'm too above you on Quinn the Eskimo. So this was a middle track for us. I have it at number eight. You have it at number 10. It's funny because I really love that song a lot. I, I think highly of it. But we did have enough good songs where it just kind of kept getting pushed down for me, which I'm kind of sad about. But eight, 10, pretty respectable. You're three above me on Someday Baby, which I did not expect. You have it at number six overall. I have it at number nine. And again, this was the lowest boredom for you, which does not make sense to me, Kelly, but that's okay because I'm clearly misreading what I heard before for about an hour and 20 minutes. That episode, I must have heard differently. And and so, I, you know, if I go back and listen to that, I'll realize the science is correct and it's right. You're four above me for take a message to Marie or Mary, if you want to be that person. Uh, I have it at number 11 and you put... This one at number seven. We were equal on three songs. It's all over now, baby blue. 
both of us put it at number one. Changing of the Guards, we both put it at number two. Nice. And as I went out one morning, we both put it at number five. <laughs> so at least we're, we're on the same page there. I am three above you for I'm not there. I put it at number six. You put it at number nine. You did not like it as much as me. Um, in that episode, we go in through like the historical lens, and that I think it only appeals in a lot of regards to me, just because I'm I'm the one who's obsessed with Bob Dylan. So I that is a, a overriding reason why this song is higher for me. But in terms of like listenability, it is not the easiest song to listen to on a day to day. So song wise, it would definitely be lower. But history wise, it goes up higher, and that's the only reason. But you put it at number nine out of fifteen, so definitely on the lower side. And then I'm also three above you on Unbelievable. I have it at number 10. You have it at number 13. Um, that was a number two on Boredom as well. So that was almost your top Boredom song as well. And it's, I assume, the derivativeness of it. Yeah, it's just like incredibly repetitive. It's very boring. Yeah. I'm four above you on Blood in My Eyes. I have it at number seven. You have it at number 11 total. I am five above, you're five above me for Guess I'm Doing Fine, which has not technically out yet but will be very soon <laughs> um i have it at number 13 you have it at number eight so higher than me and then we get into the really good stuff here so you are eight above me for jackaro i have it at number 12 you put it at number four um it has low boredom level for you which i find to be um you you kind of intone that but i disagree with it and your life is better is a nine you really liked that song. Well, okay, look, I'm a very simple person, and I like what I like, and I, what I like is lesbians, yeah. and this song has a lot of lesbian sure. overtones. So <laughs> that was it. And we talked about if you want, if you're interested in that, haven't listened to Jack Rowe, go listen to that. I, I enjoyed that episode a lot. That was really yeah, fun. and that's what it is. Anytime we really go into like a historical thing, I mean, just like Sackley, just like it, anything that gives more context about music, not just in the scope of Bob Dylan, but just like history of music i love that shit man so like yeah. that's yeah it gives an automatic bump but i always do take it down when it's a cover like lyrically you're never gonna get above a five you can't because like you didn't write the song man sorry unless you radically change it which he kind of does sometimes yes. so yeah there's always exceptions to every rule with bob which i find to be infuriating because <laughs> as a rule i do the same i put him down the covers are the lowest and yet i just i can't do it for stack of lee i couldn't i mean i kind of did it but i didn't want to do it jack Rowe, 12 it should have been 15 right in a different world, but I just can't do it because it's it's strong enough on its own. And then finally, the one that um, I kind of saw coming, but I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm curious to hear about Highlands for me as number three uh, is easily a potential number one. Uh, I, I put it at three. You put it at number 11. The slogginess was a three. I think um, <laughs> probably the 16 minute uh, time check is going to be the problem there. Uh, and Life Better only a four. Rage is right in the middle of five. So you were just kind of like on the edge the whole time. I love that your life better. It's like, no, this didn't make my life better. <laughs> it did not. Yeah, yeah, we just had a different Highlands experience. That's pretty fun. Yeah, it's, you know, it's not that I can't listen to a long song, even, you know, a Bob Dylan long song. I mean, we had Murder yeah. Most Foul and you're like in it. It's just like, I didn't care about what he was saying anymore. And that was at minute four, you know, and then there's five more minutes to deal with. So it's like it brought it down. I thought the episode was pretty. Well, fun. yeah, I mean, doing the lyrical interpretation, like, yeah, but. I don't know. See, it's science, so I don't want to. I don't want to say too much about it because it's very scientific, and he wouldn't understand. But oh, true. That's right. That's right. <laughs> I just had to put it where I put it. In terms of in terms of of uh, numbers here, I mean, uh, I don't have every single ranking in front of me, nor will I, um, because I can't be bothered. But forty four points out of fifty, out of a total of fifty, um, forty four for um, it's all over now, baby blue. 
42 for Changing of the Guards, 38 for Ain't Talking, which you also rank Shadow Kingdom at a 38 with the same layers here. Now, obviously, we don't incorporate that into that, but that is one of our episodes that we did as well, which is Shadow Kingdom, which was excellent. We love that. Yeah, I actually... I went back and listened just, you know, for everybody's edification, my own personally. Uh, I went back and listened to just the songs of Shadow Kingdom. And I got to say my opinion of it, listening to it versus watching it, just like really raised it up, man. I really enjoyed every interpretation of it without having the distraction of being pissed off that they're not actually playing those instruments and that this is all a ruse and I don't understand why we did it. They just like took all of that away and I could just listen to the music and it was like so good. And I do agree that the last song may in fact be all along the Watchtower, though it's like a super far extrapolation of that song, which makes it extra good. Um, I I just, it was so cool. I really like that he, he did it. I wish he would not have called it a concert because that is not what it is. Uh, But, and and that on the face of it is fine. If you would have been like, here's my 45 minute music video. Fine. But, but the, the songs are undeniable. So listening to that as an album is really good. I really enjoyed it. And I didn't rank Shadow Kingdom, but yeah, I mean, in terms of an experience, like just the Bob Dylan experience, it's it's got to be up there. I mean, and yeah, I mean, I would, I would, yeah, three, three seems good. Like for that whole album too, it's like, yeah, I love it. That's excellent. So yeah, I mean, that rounds up your Jack Row and, and as I went out one morning in the top five, the only difference for me and you is Highlands is up there. So you had any talking a little higher and, you know, it's all over. Now Baby Blue is obviously the, the go ahead winner. I think even without us doing it with Kendra, it would have been our number one. I, the song is too good. It's It cannot be denied. I am surprised with Changing of the Guards. I think sometimes that that does creep up. If we wouldn't have recorded, if, if It's All Over Now, Baby Blue had not been the song we did this year with Kendra, Changing the Guards would have won. And like that mm. is a completely different world from when we started this podcast. Like there's, it's like no contest. It would have been Baby Blue. Like the just on the, the basis of it being like an acoustic song and it's like romantic and it's, you know, it's cool and interesting and, uh, but Change of the Guards is... And that one has heavy sax. <laughs> yeah, I know. I mean, come on. I maybe. know. And, like, that is the worst part of the song, undeniably. But, <laughs> but like, that and listening to the um, Gaslight Anthems version of it, like, really helped, sure, sure. helped me key into it in a different way, too. It was so fun to play on the guitar. It's so easy and accessible. And just, like, the song is so cool, especially since I'm in, like, this, like, D&D phase. It just, like, really, really clicked mm-hmm. in all these little elements. And I was just like, this is great. So if it weren't for the, the experience, the real-life experience of, of, you know, doing the episode, I think Changing of the Guards would have won this year, which I'm shocked about that, about myself. Uh, the only perfect score you've ever given, which is Girl from the North Country, and at number two was uh, Like a Rolling Stone. And nothing here gets to those levels of 50 and 49, but you can tell that there's... Um, it's coming. Yeah. We're going to get some more that are close. Yep. It's a, it's a very Buffy the Vampire season of Sign on the Window. <laughs> Sign on the, yeah. And, and Bob Dylan's a very Buffy the Vampire Slayer kind of artist, as, as people have said back from the 1960s onward. Right. Um, it's going to be on his tombstone. Right. He's a Buffy the Vampire Slayer type of artist. <laughs> Kelly, are those your sleigh bells or my sleigh bells ringing? I don't know. Let's find out. It was me. You're delivering Christmas in the Heart Part 2. Yay! Thank God someone had to do it. Track number nine. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. 
I think that this is an excellent song to start our second section. I don't know if the LP is separated like this, but I need to believe for my own sanity that it is because we left on a huge bummer. So to turn the LP over and to have this song is awesome. I th- I really like the song and I think that like next year all of our troubles will be miles away. Like the sentiments alone on this are gorgeous. I think this song is beautiful, longing. Um anybody who does it can do it so differently and uh with a lot of heart. I think this is an easy one for people to tap into um performance-wise and I think the song hits hard last year, it hits hard this year and it will probably hit hard for the next couple of years that humanity has on this earth. So <laughs> Uh, I really liked it. Yeah, the song is sad. It just is sad. And it's interesting that people don't really like sing it in the really somber way other than yeah, I would say that the people on our playlist maybe did. But but Bob, like he's not yeah. he doesn't seem overly sad, but I don't know, this song is fucking sad, man. This song the is category sad. for us uh was we started with Christina Aguilera, so this is pop morphing into indie. Nice. Uh like a young kid turning into an adult. So I'm just kind of seeing this as like the stages of like people listening. So we started out with uh, Christina Aguilera, Leslie Odom Jr., and then we get into the indie phase with Cat Power, with the Beths, and then we're kind of here at like Sad Boy, Sad Boy Winter, um, with the Great Manchester Orchestra, um, who released a new record this year and should have been on my top twenty for continuity's purpose, but I didn't do it, so I fucked up. Sorry, everybody. But Manchester Orchestra, uh, they released a uh, an EP this year, Christmas Songs Volume One, and I think exactly what you said is what they did, which is imbibe a really dark, almost threatening, like this is the last one. So you better count your fucking blessings because it's over. <laughs> and I loved it. I really loved it. I think they knocked it out of the park for sure. And just like a merry little Christmas. It's like the idea of like, uh, enjoy your little Christmas, this inconsequential thing. Enjoy it. Oh, dark. Beautiful. <laughs> Beautiful. And so from that downer, we go to track 10, which is the, undeniable banger the great classic ages like fine wine best song on this record must be santa best video bob dylan's ever done i love it this song is perfect this song works anywhere everywhere all time you cannot convince me otherwise uh another throwback to every episode we've ever we've ever done i'm sure i've said this every time so i'm gonna go ahead and say it again for continuity i don't think i've heard this song before we listened to this album i don't think i was familiar with it at all. I was not familiar at all. Okay, cool. So I'm not the only one. Mm. But yeah, excellent. It's I mean it's it's a reason to live. It's a reason to live. And if you want to know more <laughs> about the 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 scheme of the song and how the the you know it it all plays upon itself, I think we did that in 2018. So pause here and go back to the beginning, uh, as I've said before, and listen to our entire Christmas oeuvre. You will learn more about must be santa than we will talk about here however who doesn't you, have a cool eight nine hours who doesn't to have, listen to every christmas <laughs> christmas from the past i mean you, you just devote <laughs> devote your time to it you will not be sorry i promise you you'll Jesus. be something worse than sorry I something worse than um, sorry. <laughs> well worse than sorry i would say is is what we do to this poor song on the playlist and what i'll say is that we subject must be santa to the worst versions um to the point where I feel bad for a podcast playlist listener, right? They're like, I want to put on every song that they've played. For the most part, we do really good. We've made great playlists over the years. But, oh, my God, every time Must Be Santa comes on, it's got to be jarring. I almost feel bad. I almost feel like we should delete all of Must Be Santa off the official no. like playlist taking because it's like, who wants to be jarred by the Pokemon version? I, I, I don't know. This one here is a little bit weirder. So this year I did Fred Coke. I didn't know. 
Um, I don't want to say we're running out of bad versions because it's not true, but I just kind of chose this one because it it sounded a little bit better than all the others. I thought we'd give ourselves a break this year. And I have to say, there's some sick riffage going on here. And it turns out that Coke is actually a real person. He's like a trained musician. He is a teacher as well. And there's a whole underbelly world of like children's songs that starts with... um, a woman by the name of Ella Jenkins, who's known as the first lady of the children's folk song. She is lauded across the planet. I mean, she's won Grammys. She's won awards, um, mainly just for having, you know, kids songs that are inclusive. And there's a song in specific that um, is in the library of Congress called you'll sing a song and I'll I'll sing a song. Sing a song. We'll sing a song together. You'll sing a song. I'll sing a song in warm or wintry weather. He, uh, Fred Koch, um, in 1989, did a record of Ella Jenkins' songs. And he's actually probably the most famous person. I mean, I'm sorry about Raffi and the Kaboomers, but, you know, this guy's an actual <laughs> person out here. So he's, like, sought after in terms of production for kids' content, which I think is pretty cool. And Ella Jenkins... Uh, for what it's worth, is still with us to this day. Um, hopefully making some cool-ass uh, kids folk stuff, you know? So is that the category for this song? Is, is kids kids music? It's, it is, yeah. yeah. Um, anyways, did you like Fred Koch's version, or did it hit you just like Pokemon did? Because I would understand. Immediately I was triggered by the name Fred Koch. I was like, oh my god, one of the Koch brothers made a Christmas album. And then I was like, wait a second, what the fuck's going on? Oh my god. <laughs> uh, it, the, I, see, I feel like the vocal quality... Uh, of his singing does not match the kind of country fried bluegrassy vibe. Uh, so that felt a little, what's the word? Just like grating because it didn't sync up. Right. I wish he had a little twang in his voice or something, but it was fine. I mean, as far as kid songs go, I, it was just as irritating as all the other ones. Yeah, that's fair. Well, this might be the least <laughs> irritating of all. So consider that a gift for me to you. Merry everyone. Christmas. Merry Christmas. Mine has to stop. You just hit a button and mine has to leave. That means I have all the control. Speaking of control, track 11, Silver Bells. Um, Speaking of control, yes, of course. We got to pump the brakes, I understand, after Must Be Santa. And at first, I think we're going back into the darkness of of side A, if you will, or we're about to go and slow down and the songs are going to suck. But I'm, I'm convinced at this point that side side b or whatever this this second side of the track i don't even know how to say it there's so many good songs on here that the bad songs uh exist in the halo the glow around the good songs so must be santa is so good that whatever the next track is it's going to be good by default so silver bells to me i don't know if i really like it or not but i'm so amped up about must be santa that i forgive i forgive anything uh it's also really short Two minutes and 35 seconds. So on that alone, I'm, I'm appreciative uh, for kind of like doing it. He does do it very kind of straightforward, though. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's just you, you can't. Sorry, Bob. You just can't hold a note sometimes. No. And this one is a lot of, of note holding. And it, that's what makes it tough. And 09 was where his voice really was bad. I would love to see him do this today. I think his voice is has calmed down and has been repaired from whatever was going on in the early 2000s. So I don't know. This version on our playlist has to be a insert here Christmas. So we did she and him 
Uh, John Legend, A Legendary right. Christmas, Twisted Sister, A Twisted Christmas. Bright Eyes last year was a Christmas album, which was kind of breaking the rules. And this year we did a very poppy Christmas. Poppy being the band. I want to know if you've ever heard of Poppy before. This is a very pretty straightforward track with her and just like a guitar. Um, but her music is not like that at all. There's a person or was a person. I mean, I think she still exists named Poppy, who was okay. a YouTube phenomenon. This is it. This, this is her. Is her. Okay, mm -hmm. but this is where I'm a little confused. Stacia's a little more well versed okay. in this this like dark side of YouTube situation, but there was a person named Poppy who was a YouTube entity who was right. kind of manipulated and then memory hold by her handler slash de facto abuser cool. person uh, who okay. she was a per she was a YouTube personality and then got involved with this guy who then took over her channel and her, her creative things and just like kind of kind of locked her away after a while. Like she was no longer making yeah. videos or at least not on her own. It was all under this guy's supervision and under his direction. Sure. I don't know if these are the same people because I think the, the, the end of that story was she came back. She was able to get out from under this person. I don't know if this is the same person because I think there's a second YouTube poppy person that is not that original poppy person because that was the problem. Her brand got stolen. I think that was the thing. I don't know. Anyway. So this was, this is a YouTuber. This is a YouTube person too. This is a YouTuber. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about okay. in that regard. And I don't know if it's her because I do know about that story that you're yeah. telling me. And this person, I don't know if this is the same, but it very much could be all I got from her Wikipedia which is the amount of research I'm going to do here oh, yes. is that she took on a, a robotic persona, but was a satire on pop culture. So like there was a point to it. So it wasn't like something, which again, that whole thing you're, we're describing here could have whole, all been an act, right? You know, yeah. Sort of talking about the way we don't help people or whatever, you know, all kinds of shit. Anyways, she was a YouTuber and then she got signed to a big label and she started making music and it started out pretty poppy um, you know, just sort of like Cynthia, obviously, but now it's turned into like, she loves new metal and industrial music. So she actually has done two things. I, I don't know if you looked into this at all. She does a cover of tattoos, all the things she said, <laughs> nice. which is wild and actually pretty good. And then she has a song called blood money that was just nominated for best metal performance. Grammy at the Grammys. Wow. Uh, it is it is a wild song. It's really industrial. I mean, it's it's there's I can't pick out an instrument at all. It's just noise. But this this like sweet version that we're getting here, this two minute song from a very poppy Christmas does not reflect her music at all. No. Yeah. Uh, very weird. I I and I know that this this poppy person, whether or not they're the same person as what I was thinking before uh. with that story is is like has blown up and is like a, a, a big sensation yeah. musically. So maybe that's it. I did look at a playlist that was including her called like this is something not not her but it was like a collection of music that sounds like what she does I guess uh, and yeah it's it's all very Jeffrey Star overly synthy not really new metal but like stuff that went in my my new metal prime I would not have fucked with this is too much. It's it's Grimes. If anyone's familiar with Grimes, it's Grimes with more guitar. That's literally it, all it yeah, is. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. yeah, it's not for me. Um, what is for me? The first Noel track twelve, number twelve on this on this bad boy here. Um, I love the chorus of this song. Um, that's it. 
I don't I don't know if I I don't know if I really uh I don't know if I really like this, Kelly. What do you think? I mean, I, again, I think he's doing a faithful version, so it's hard to say that it's bad, you know, but Yeah. I don't I don't feel negatively toward it, but I don't really care. That's fair. Uh, the other versions of this are, are are hemmed in because the album has to be the album or the single or whatever has to be called Home for Christmas. Okay. So we started with Dolly Parton. We went to NSYNC, Dulcimer Dan and the Blue Skies Band. And then last year we did uh, Hollow Notes okay. in their uh, album Home for Christmas. This year we did Kim Walker Smith sure. on her 2014 album Home for Christmas. Well, Home for Christmas is what the uh, various artists album of, uh, that we were listening to it from. So this one, okay. I did find out later that this is actually from a, an album called When Christmas Comes in 2014. So I've broken the rule mm. of this, but I'm going to allow it. Mainly because she is a singer-songwriter slash worship leader. And she is known for being in the Jesus Culture Band, which all of this making sense now that you are thinking about the song. And she works at the Bethel church in river in Redding, California. Um, that's as much of a red flag as you need. And she's like head of the music department there. Um, so working with all the bands that play there, cause that's, that's their style of, of worship. My whole point here, she plays it incredibly, um, safe, which I don't, I don't like, oh, yeah. I don't want. Um, and after Hawk Nelson and this, you know what I think we got to get religion out of this Christmas thing. Am I right? Like, yeah, get, yeah. get religion Bringing out it of down. Here. Bringing uh, it down. Christmas is a pure. It's it's all about capitalism. I don't know why we're yes. talking about God. You know what I mean? Like capitalism, uh, indulgence, the extremes of pop music. Come on, the Messiah. Come on, no, thank you. Leave that for April no. for the losers. You know, <laughs> give it right in my veins here. Um, <laughs> one of the best songs on this record, and always um, a delight to go down for the playlist is track number 13, Christmas Island. Um, this rivals Must Be Santa, of course, for the best song. It is definitely the only song, I think, from this entire record that I can unironically put onto a 2009 like playlist. And like when it comes on, I, I, even though I know it's Christmas, I, I wouldn't think twice about it. It's just so good. And that fucking like, Aloha, eh? I've said it a million times. One of my favorite things. <laughs> Every year, I cannot wait to listen to this song. And it is still absolutely perfect and is is just must be Santa's a juggernaut. But this one's just like, God, right next to it. It's a tank of its own. Well, not only is it similar to Must Be Santa in that it's fantastic, but another song that I never heard before never heard. he did it. And, and, you know, until we did the Andrew Sisters, one of the years we did right. this. We did. And discovered that it was not an original song because this is not one that is played. So another reason why our playlist or this album is worth throwing on on Christmas because oh. you're going to get shit you don't normally hear Absolutely. out of the rotation. Yeah, and the Andrew Sisters, you're right, and finding it was so hard, and I we had never heard it before. Um, obviously, we did um, AJJ uh, two, the year after the Andrew Sisters with Christmas Island, which is very about a very different Christmas Island, uh, nuclear testing uh, of the sorts, and Leon Redbone, we did a song by him. And then last year, we did Train from their Christmas in Tahoe album. Um, so we were kind of getting away from what is uh, one of my favorites on here, Depeche Mode's uh, Christmas Island. From a question okay. of lust B side, which was the B side of their um, 1986 album Black Celebration. What a pull! What a pull! I like it's completely fucks up the Christmas vibe. I love it. Totally destroys the playlist if you're throwing it on to actually listen to Christmas music. But what an incredible find! Oh my god! Because the second it comes on, you're like, hello, ah, and then it's just like, 
uh, like <laughs> synth, like drone music. <laughs> it's just wow. I cannot believe you found this, and I'm so glad it's here. But damn, does it mess up your vibe? So if you're if you're putting this on for Christmas fun, you might have to skip to Pesh mode. Absolutely. And what I will say to all the haters right now that are throwing stuff against their wall, and they're and they're like. Fuck you, Daniel. You don't get you don't deserve this praise from Kelly for picking this badass song. I'm going to tell you, I have not seen Hawkeye. I don't watch Marvel movies. I've never seen it. So the pure coincidence, Kelly, I know this is going to be shocking. It is coincidence. I, I swear to God that Hawkeye, the limited series show on the Disney Channel or Disney Plus or whatever the fuck it's called. Um, yeah. Season one, episode two called Hide and Seek ends with. Christmas Island. It's a Christmas. T- Are you shitting and me? And I'm like, and I'm looking up just to like get research on this, on this song, you know, to put it in here. Cause I don't know much about the Pesh mode. And I'm just like, Oh, the first thing I see is the news, which is like, what's the song that's at the end of Hawkeye? And I'm like, cool. Thank you, Hawkeye. That's awesome. I mean, I can imagine everybody was raving about the end sequence in the song. And I'm like, yeah, the song is incredible. And it was everything you just said, which is ruins your Christmas thing, whatever, whatever. But it's already been done. Kelly. I mean, I, we, I thought we were at the cutting edge here, but we are just like behind the culture. Wow. That's yeah. I mean, I definitely have not watched it and I won't watch it on principle because he's a terrible character and I don't think that he deserves this. I don't at think Renner needs the money. No, we don't need to have Renner. No, no, no. Um, and also like I, I just I officially hit capacity with the superhero stuff, I think. But yeah. that is bonkers. That is bonkers. bonkers that they took it? like the deepest of deep cuts from fucking Depeche Mode and threw it in a Disney song. It's clearly someone who's in, responsible for the music. Uh, at, at Disney Plus, working on the Marvel stuff is like, let me uh-huh. tell you about my gothy, amazing 80s, because <laughs> I got yeah, some shit for you that ain't no one ever heard. And I promise you, Depeche Mode will give it to us. Yes. Or we already own Depeche, Depeche Mode. Depeche Mode. Like, I mean, who, fuck, who the fuck knows? Disney just owns yeah. everything. So it's yeah, like, what, what can we get true. on the cheap? And then they're probably like me, which is like, let's just search Spotify. <laughs> Christmas Island. No, it turns oh, out cool. that George Lucas actually bought all of uh, Depeche Mode's catalog back in, in 93. And so therefore, Disney inherited it when they bought all the Star Wars properties. Um, anyways, that, that song is excellent. And I would much rather be pulled out of a out of a playlist with that song than Must Be Santa in any world, um, any day. Um, so, so there is that as well. Uh, track number 14, we're getting near the end. The Christmas song. Um, Dylan in this is all over the place, but I, I do love it. Um, and at this point for me, you're like committed to this record. So you're just kind of going with it. I don't know if it's great. And again, I think it's um, it basking in the glow of Christmas Island. So it gets a huge pass. Like, I just don't care. I'm like, yeah, this is great. I'm still thinking about Aloha. Well, you're not going to turn it off now. Oh, you can't. Although you might. Yeah. You should. Maybe. But you don't. <laughs> and we're not. We can't. Contractually. We can't do it. it. I mean, it's tough because the version is, you know, Nat King Cole. So yes. it's like that was our first one. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. He does just like the rest of the album. You know, he's doing it earnestly and it's fine. Yes. And so this one, the other versions we do are just um, either called the Christmas song or just Christmas song in general has to be in the lyrics or in the song title. Uh, we did Phoebe Bridgers last year, the excellent um, the Christmas song. She's the best. We love her to death. Alicia Keys before Jesse J featuring Babyface before that. And of course, Nat King Cole. This year, we dip into our punk pop punk roots and we go to Blink-182's 2019 single, Not Another Christmas Song. This song is amazing. It's so good. This song is amazing. So good. I loved it. 
I loved it. Like, not only is, like, part of the chorus being, let's get divorced for Christmas, which is just, like, fucking amazing on its foot. I love that, what's his name from Alkaline Trio? Uh, Skiba? Yep. Uh, I love him saying fa la 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 instead of like fa la 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 he says fa la 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 it just sounds so good it's like it's great it's great it's so good I really enjoyed it this was not their first Christmas foray have you heard their other Christmas songs no 1997 before they got Travis Barker uh, they recorded I Won't Be Home for Christmas which is pretty good it's another sort of earnest type song Uh, they did that with their old drummer Scott Rayner and it was released in 2001 uh, just as a single as a b-side to a song from Take Off Your Pants and Jacket, which more than likely I didn't look this up, is Happy Holidays, You Bastard, which is on Take Off Your Pants and Jacket. And um, that starts uh, with It's Christmas Eve, and I've only wrapped two fucking presents, and then something about licking grandpa's balls or something like that. So it's like 49 seconds, and of course, of course it is. Of course. And then they did a song called Boxing Day, which is the day after um, Christmas um, for the Dogs Eating right. Dogs EP after they reformed back in 2012, I want to say. I think 2011 was when... 2010, maybe, is when they did their... Because they broke up in 2003, and then they didn't come back till like, 2010, I want to say. But they did another EP. So they, this is not their first Christmas song, but I think of all of those, this this one fucking slays. Like, I think it's, it's really great. Yeah, it's fantastic, and I'm glad it's on here, because I, I definitely didn't know. I mean, I mean I'm not a big Blink-182. Uh, I, like, I, I, I like them, but, like, I, I've never really dove, dove into their music, so this was yeah. a huge surprise, especially yeah, being totally. so recent. Totally. And thing. finally, let's end uh, Christmas in the heart with, Number 15, Oh Little Town of Bethlehem. Uh, Bob's bit is incredibly boring, but this song is boring by nature. I don't know if I've listened to this stuff on headphones before, just because we've been at like, well, like headphones, headphones, like on, you know, big headphones over the years. Um, The guitar is really nice. It's really sweet and gentle. I really liked it. That stuff was good. The music, again, I just take Bob out of the equation. The music on here is really good, but I do love Bob at the end with his amen, the the long amen. Great ending to Mm -hmm. a record tasteful i mean for what it's worth like okay i get it and i feel way better about this uh song than i have in years past for sure yeah well it's time to go to sleep the record's over so i'm gonna it it is it is until we get to uh our other version of the song which is it was from 1957 only but we did exhaust 1957 so (laughs) there are no more 1957 versions we did frank sinatra elvis sammy k and gene autry so now we're just going to do 50s only for this and this is from 1951 uh by a guy named cowboy Capas. i thought it was a band it's actually one person he's a singular person uh who who lived uh, born in 1913 died in 1963 he was popular in the 1940s he was having a resurgence a late career resurgence when he went down in a plane crash in 1963 who else was in that plane crash a man named Hawkshaw Hawkins was in that plane crash. And somebody else you might have heard of, Patsy Cline, was in that plane crash as well. So oh, he shit. was actually with Patsy Cline and Hawkshaw when they went down in, I want to say, Tennessee um, on that fateful night. Damn. I had no idea. I didn't think about anybody else on that plane. But it was really sad. And after reading everything about the Natchez you know, fire at the club, I was like, oh, my God, there's so much sadness even on these songs and like who these people are and like the lives they lead you know even this playlist has just like this openness of humanity i love it um i, I love it a lot anyways i really liked his version for what it's worth definitely i, I love that about it i mean it was like classic country card family shit you know it's good now every year we do have uh, auxiliary songs if you will so cowboy cop has pushed us into our, our auxiliary songs we've had a lot of great ones including uh the band's Christmas must be tonight 
never forget how great that song is. I just need to say that. We we have six songs that I've put on here. We're starting off with Senses Fails, I Wish It Was Christmas Today from 2020. This is a song that Jimmy Fallon popularized or created for Saturday Night Live a long time ago, right? Uh, the best version of the song of which is done by Julian Casablancas. The end. However, however, which I think we put on, I must have suggested we put on a playlist at some point. So I'm sure it's already existed within this podcast. This song starts with a very, uh, like, not lo-fi, but like, you hear like through speak. Yeah, it's lo-fi. It's just like you just, that yeah. little thing is 100% a pre-installed song on a Yamaha keyboard that I used to own. And I was like losing my mind. I was like, oh my God, this, this, I had this. Cause when you press like, so the, the whole thing with that keyboard was like, you, you could pick a little, it was like bossa nova, samba, whatever. So you, you press whatever and it would do the sample, yeah, it yeah, the yeah. sample. And if you press, there was like 10 keys on the lower side of, of the octaves. If you press one of the keys, well, I guess it would be seven keys because there's only the seven notes or whatever. Uh, it would change the key of the song, so and that's what it, that's what they did. So it was like, I was like, oh my god, this is incredible. So the song is fine, and it, like you, you know, somebody screaming, "How would you watch Christmas?" You know, it's, it's fantastic. But uh, Julia Casablanca still did it better. Anyway, that was worth every penny of the no money I spent on it just for the little fucking keyboard sample because I was instantly teleported to being like fucking. Six years good, old, good. playing with the. Dun 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 dun. <laughs> it's okay. Yeah. Curtis Blow, Christmas Rappin' from 1980s Curtis Blow. Um, we only know this, you might remember it, but just for the listener, Bob Dylan uh, is on uh, a couple of verses, or like 30 seconds, no, more like 10 seconds uh, of a song on, on that record. Um, really? But I was like, yeah, Christmas Rappin', we're, we're definitely uh-huh. putting that in here. Yeah, he worked with Curtis Blow. Uh, Daniel Johnston, uh, R.I.P., uh, True Love Will Find You in the End. At some point last year or the year before, you had thrown a song of like this on the uh, the playlist and i was just like wow yeah. this is like really uh entrancing in a way it's just like wants you to listen to more of it because it's so like minimalist and, and nothing and just on a tape recorder and like i don't know there's something really personal just really like intimate about it uh bill purcell with our winter love from january 1963 it was a chart i believe a chart topper um at that time but what a beautiful uh it ended up on my playlist music for a film which of which there are only three songs so far, but I'm trying to grow it. Oh, <laughs> I'm trying to grow it. Love it. Well, anytime there's a, a song in here that like immediately is evocative of a movie scene, like regardless of what the scene is, whether it's ironic for the music to be playing during it or not, like whether it's you know straightforward, where it's like you know like if sometimes we need like movies, especially now in the the James Gunn era of of making things, you know, turning the, themselves on their heads, where it's like, this is an intense action scene, but we're taking this one moment to pull focus and we're doing a weird song that doesn't make any sense, this juxtaposition kind of thing. So I'm like, any of those songs that make me feel that way, I got to put it on the playlist. And there's only two other songs on it right now, but this one made it because I was like, wow, this is beautiful. Perfect. Love it. Love it. Uh, Jimmy World, Christmas Car, 1999's Clarity. Another. Okay. So Jimmy World. Who doesn't love Bleed American? You can't not love it. And I knew that they were like an indie darling that had made it big. Uh, 
based off the backs of, the, of their previous albums. But I never listened to their previous albums because I could never find them. And it's like one of those things that you forget. Spotify acquired them at some point. I, I know they didn't have them early days. I know they didn't. But they have them now. And I'm like, oh, Mike, I've never heard a single song from anything before Bleed American. I am so fucking happy that you put this on here because they reminded me that that happened and I absolutely need to listen to it because just like the first two albums from Hot Water Music like I cannot wait to get in to those and I'm sure they'll be like all time great albums for me so and finally a band that we love and we were incredibly drunk seeing direct hit <laughs> the great direct hit I want to just say the yes. great direct hit from Milwaukee Wisconsin uh Christmas at Ground Zero which I assume is a, a 2021 and I'm going to say this is not a cover that it is theirs, and I fucking love it. And um, it kind of, I, I felt like that and Since It's Fail, the two of them are great little bookends on our little uh, experiment yeah. here. Yeah, no, it's good. And it was, it was fun to hear another song from them because I haven't listened to them in a while. And yeah, I just immediately think yeah, about too. that night, that, that night oh, yeah. that I'm glad we survived. <laughs> Throwing up, stole a traffic cone. Yes, yes. Oh, Portland, we love you. <laughs> Old Portland. Uh, going to shows, Portland. Oh, wow, what a, what a different world. Kelly, are those... Sleigh bells ring a ding ding a ling. Could be, could be maybe. Who knows? Who knows? Oh no, I'm I'm definitely getting sleigh bell vibes. Yeah, I'm hearing it. Let's talk about our top ten for 2021. Number ten for you, Kelly. What would you got? A little podcast called Critical Role. Now I'm incredibly late to the party because I believe they started this in 2017. Uh, it's a group of voice actors helmed by Dungeon Master Matthew Mercer, who is a renowned voice actor in his own right. But him and his six, I think, ish friends, uh, who are all voice actors, too, because I guess, you know, it takes one to know one kind of thing, uh, play Dungeons and Dragons. And they record it for all of our viewing pleasure, viewing, listening pleasure. Uh, they, they actually were doing it all live over Twitch. So they do have a video of all of the, the podcast episodes, but I just listened to it via podcast and because matthew mercer is such an incredible Im- improvisationist i guess you, you don't need to see what's going on because like it also it's it's dnd it's all in your mind anyway so it's not like there's really anything to show i mean he does make maps and there's minis and there's like watching it does bring another little element and just it's also fun to see all the other players react to, to things but he's just like he's incredible and all the players are really good and it's just like i'm only okay so every episode is about three hours long and the first campaign, uh, so the first like season, I guess, if you will, of it is, I think, uh, over 100 episodes. Uh, so I am only 30 episodes in, not even, I think like 20 something. So it's going to be a long, long, long way to go. But they're still making them. Uh, they're on their, their third campaign or third season right now. And they just put out an episode like two days ago. So Critical Role. If you're in- so we'll be hearing about this for the next oh, couple yeah, years. Oh, yeah, man. Well, strap in, oh, everybody. Oh, yeah. So if you're Top 10. That- Maybe it'll make up to number one at some point. Do it. It might be. It might be. Yeah. Uh, number 10 for me is always reserved for pop hits. So we saw Lord release Solar Power. Um, Olivia Rodrigo. We're talking about Deja Vu, one of her best songs off of Sour. Sour, great stuff. If you haven't listened to it, obviously everybody knows good for you. But Deja Vu is excellent driver's license. Uh, number nine for you. I mean, this is kind of like 10... 10- 10 point a whatever uh oh tabletop okay. role-playing games Andy. let's go specifically uh kids on bikes which daniel you got to experience yeah. on your visit out here anyway so calvin uh is in a band purification and you should check them out if you if you like metal stuff you can find some of his stuff on spotify but uh 
he is our like game master for kids on bikes and daniel got to make a character and come into our 90s uh northeast Ooh. new england coastal town but me personally i've always wanted to play the classic dungeons and dragons because like you know that's the one that is the one and stacia's friends happen to want to have a game going on and and uh, I asked if I could join and I did and it's been a lot of fun man and it's really colored the last couple months of my life and and it's just like it's really made me more imaginative and creative and just like thinking about stuff I mean because I'm not really that kind of person I struggle with that a lot with like music with lots of stuff I just like I can mimic something I can kind of uh do you know like if, if somebody's like here's a piece of music I can, I can play that and, but I can't I have a hard time coming up with, with new stuff out of whole cloth of my own and obviously you pull from other references and stuff but this has been a really cool exercise in, in doing that and I'm still not 100% there I'm still basically just aping other stuff I've seen but it's really it's really fun to push myself to try to like do new things and especially in the group that I'm playing with there's not a lot of strong personalities so I've had to become the the one who's who's doing all the things and causing you know making the situations happen and, and that's been a lot really outside my comfort zone and it's i think it's good just fucking dungeons and dragons man it's fun play it with your friends <laughs> my number nine is uh a guy named rap ferrera um who i sort of talked about before but he released two records one of them in january and one of them in december uh so two rec two albums this year one of them the first one was bo called bob sun which was excellent and the other is called uh that just came out called the light emitting diamond cutter scriptures um, these are, they have a lot of great individual tracks. He's an amazing rapper. I don't have any individual tracks cause I think they all work really well together, but on his newest, uh, album, the second track is called brother Mazone library card. That being of course, a reference to brother Mazone from right, 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 yeah, yeah. Omar in the ring. Cause he was oh, part yeah. of so the, um, I, I appreciate brother. He was a part of the new, well, right? yeah, right. And like the New York crew or whatever, he came down to kill Omar yeah. number eight, Kelly. My nostalgia deep dive early uh, this year where I went I back know, through the, the my earliest musical memories and uh, it was really fun to do. Uh, I think it's instructive for your life to, to go back and visit things and, and see how you feel as you go on. Like whether or not you like the thing is, is kind of irrelevant. It, it's more like, wow, it's so funny. Like I felt so strongly about this thing then and, and I feel completely differently or, or, or whatever. It's just that just that act of doing that is really, really fun and uh, I'm really glad that I did it. So just real quick, I listened to InSync, Aquarium by Aqua, Spice Girls, Boys to Men, Michelle Branch, Moby, specifically the play album, Melanie Doan, DMX, Flesh of My Flesh, uh, Chibamato, Sneaker Pimps in Abandoned Pools. I uh, also, Blues Traveler's not on there because I did not write it down, but that was also on there. And uh, it was all really fun to do. And I got to say, Sneaker Pimps, which was one of my top 20 recommendations from our first season. Becoming X is still a fucking perfect album, as well as uh, Viva the Woman by Chibamato. Still worth listening to. So that was great to to go back and do. So glad I did it. My number eight is I just finished a book called You Are Beautiful and You Are Alone by Jennifer Otter Bickerdyke about Nico. Nico with the Velvet Underground. Yeah. Okay. It was amazing. So I don't know much about Nico. And for Nico, it was always the association with the Velvet Underground, and it was always her association with drugs. That's the only thing I ever knew. Right. This book is incredible. It's a deep dive not only into her and just how like amazing her life was, but like also t looking at the way people talked about Lou Reed, Bob Dylan, all the people that she's associated with. Uh, uh, she was also associated with um, Jim Morrison as well. The way that 
Lou Reed and Jim Morrison in particular get to have their drug use be part of their lives and part of their genius, but not for Nico, right? And Nico was a, a junkie. She was an addict. And it's very sad. Bob Dylan is my only real, I mean, in the Velvet Underground, I've heard that record a million times, but uh, I'll keep it with mine as a song that Bob Dylan wrote for Nico. I never understood the timeline. I never understood how the two are connected. So I went back and I listened to Chelsea Girl, Midnight Index, Desert Shore, The End, Drama of Exile and Camera Obscura, all of her records. But the music that she made, because she was she felt the way about herself that she did, it was always bummer music. So John Cale, who was also in the Velvet Underground, worked with her a lot in the in the late sixties, early seventies. Um, and he, he said to her, You can't sell suicide. Like that's what they described this as. And in fact, uh the Midnight Index, the record, I'm sorry, the end in nineteen seventy four. Uh, the, the the record label actually sold the record with the tag in the advertisements that said, why waste time committing suicide when you can buy this record? <laughs> and I'm like, wow, <laughs> absolutely shit. incredible. So I highly recommend the book, Incredible, and I recommend all those records. And in particular with songs, I would say, you know, big ones like These Days, Somewhere There's a Feather, I'll Keep It With Mine, which is the one Bob Dylan wrote for her, Easy, um, No One Is There, Frozen Warnings from Misery Index, Janitor of Lunacy and the Falconer from Desert Shore. The cover of the end is amazing. And then uh, from Camera, Camera Obscura, her last record, uh, that song and my relaxing Valentine are also just like really, really good. So that's my uh, number eight, Kelly. Number seven for you. Little show called People Just Do Nothing. Courtesy of Daniel. This is a, a, a recommendation that he's had way before me. But yeah, so, you know, imagine the office, but it's about a pirate radio station that only wants to do garage, which garage means a little bit thing different in uh, in the UK. Um, yes, music from the mid aughts. And it's just perfect. It's just, it's great. And we, we got to watch uh, Big in Japan, which is the full length feature film that came out uh in august of this year i'll keep number seven for me short it's inside by bo burnham all eyes on me is so fucking good number six for you kelly well you already said it but uh sound of metal though from the previews it really looked like um a, a, a documentary about a, a well not a documentary but like a, you know a mockumentary faux documentary about uh a metal band kind of a drummer a drummer yeah yeah so yeah. it was a, a huge surprise and like god it's like really heart-wrenching and just really really good movie and, and the fact that like beautiful you think the name of the movie is about one thing but it's not it's about another thing my number six is um a rapper out of islington london called little sims with the album sometimes i might be an introvert um incredible getting a lot of a lot of praise she has actually been on our playlist i think at least once or twice um she had an album before, like the Gray Album, oh, yeah. I think it was called, or Gray Area, I think. Uh, but this one is just like, this is one of the rare ones that's like well over an hour, um, but it doesn't feel like over an hour. It, it's one that you just want to keep going. Uh, it, it's that good. Um, Protect My Energy, Rolling Stone, uh, I Love You, I Hate You, and of course the, the Introvert um, are are my favorite songs from, from that record. So Little Sims, my number six. Kelly, number five for you. Uh, Toy Galaxy. I know it's super high, but like I literally watch it every night. Toy Galaxy is a YouTube channel um, hosted by Dan Larson and uh, his producer, Greg. They talk. So, okay, if you're familiar with the Netflix show Toys That Made Us, they basically did it first and they've been doing it for longer and they just are great. I mean, it's, you know, anywhere between five and and 25 minutes dives on uh, everything like 
pop culture, nerdy pop culture. You know, you've got these pretty niche things that I've never heard of. I mean, if you if you grew up in, in the 80s, like you were, you know, six or seven in the 80s, and you know the heyday of Masters of the Universe, G.I. Joe, like all those, those animated properties that existed only to sell toys. Uh, not that they don't still, but like this is your shit, man, for sure. You got to check it out. My number five is always reserved for books. So just a little bit of books that I read this year. Obviously, I read Clinton Halen's Double Life of Bob Dylan, A Restless Hungry Feeling, 1941 to 66. First in a two-part biography. I don't know when the second part's coming. Um, so that's that over there. Um, I started a reread of Roberto Bolaño, Jack Kerouac, uh, James Baldwin. Uh, I read a book called Outlawed by Annie North that looks at the hole in the wall game, but makes them genders swapped and gender fluid. And like, you know, it's just kind of a Western, but imagined with, you know, uh, just not a bunch of dudes running around. Um, so hard to explain i i have explained it on whatever episode i talked about it on so go find that everybody uh last night at the lobster by um Stuart onan as well as a book that i've wanted to read for like 10 years i finally got around to doing it i read a lot of histories this year uh david halberstein did a book on the 50s i read a book called the first way of war american war making on the frontier by john grenier which was excellent Unworthy Republic, The Dispossession of Native Americans and the Road to Indian Territory by Claudio Sant. That was a book that won a bunch of awards last year. And, uh, of course, Hero of Two Worlds by Mike Duncan, who is a podcast extraordinaire from Revolutions Now, but also did the history of Rome. Kelly, number four. Are those sleigh bells I'm hearing that are that are bringing number four in? Oh, God, it is. It's number four. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, search Party. On HBO Max, it was not originally an HBO property, but it is on HBO Max now, all four seasons. There is another one coming, I do believe. But yeah, Alia Shotcat, John Early, um, two other actors that I don't know the name of, and I'm sorry. It's uh, like a murder mystery type of thing, and it goes places, and it's just incredible. It, we, it really is something that I think about constantly when I'm watching other media. Like, man, Search Party was so good, and I'm just like always comparing it to the other things that I watch. It's a lot of fun check it out my number four a little bit long so bear with me here uh is another book to piggyback on this um is a book called sellout by the writer dan ozzy and sellout is looking at 11 records from bands that sold out in an era starting with green day and ending with against me um it, and it's what he's charting is not so much the band's histories themselves, but where they were right before the signing, what it was like to sign, and where do you go from the signing. This consumed an entire month of my life, not only going back to listen to everything I'd never listened to. Uh, so, well, I'm, I haven't listened to them in a long time. So the, the book starts with Green Day, and it's talking specifically about Dookie. Dookie right. opened the floodgates in 1994. The second chapter, I'm not going to like. D- destroy everything but i'm just going to kind of go through each band the second uh band is probably the most infamous which is jawbreaker jawbreaker did in 1995 dear you and dear you is now considered a classic but back then they were such an indie band that they they went on stage and said if we ever sell a major label you can fucking like <laughs> throw stones at us you know like we'll never do it never say shit like that because they literally did we will never sign on a major label and then they were like we're college educated people that are making no money. Like we need, we need some money. And like, they're a great example of like what we don't, we don't judge people today for selling out, selling out, Uh, which is like, yeah, getting paid for your art. That's like what you should do in this horrible system. Back then it was so pure. 
Uh, the next one was Jimmy Eat World. At the Drive-In was another one, so a relationship of command. Uh, and then the Donnas. You remember the Donnas? Oh, yeah. You know, take take it off, take it off. The Distillers. Um, they did Blink-182, Dude Ranch, their first major label debut. We also go on to Thursday, We're All the Time. I remember buying that record day one. My Chemical Romance, um, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge. And then the last two bands were Rise Against and Against Me. It's kind of a weird uh, time capsule from 1994 to essentially 2007. And I um, highly recommend listening to it, revisiting any of the bands that I mentioned. Um, and just kind of like remembering where you were if you're our age. I'm sure a lot of these bands um, you know, resonate with you still. I will wait for the documentary. It sounds amazing. Kelly, number three for you. Top three. Blocked and reported. Yeah, it's uh, Jesse Single and Katie Herzog, uh, both journalists, uh, kind of disgraced journalists in some circles. Um, they just talk about the left and how uh, we are so up our own assholes sometimes that we forgot about truth and the fact that objectivity matters and that there's value in research and there's value in telling <laughs> the real story. And it's just like really, really nice to hear because uh, sometimes you think you're crazy, man. Sometimes you're like you're so into the dogma of your team that you forget that maybe we should fact check this. Maybe we should like take a second look at it. Maybe we should not just say, well, they're blue team. So let's go. They're right. Uh, and it's just really, really refreshing to hear that kind of stuff because sometimes you feel like you're alone in your boat man uh my number three is something else we need in the world her name is julian baker and i love her so much <laughs> little little oblivions is the record um i've recommended her her last record um in in my top 20 back in 2017 um it's it's amazing it's a, a very relatable experience she herself is a drinker we're all drinkers and sometimes you feel like you drink too much and you're like yeah so when people sing about it, you're like, yes, I have a whole alcohol <laughs> playlist explicitly for this reason. Uh, song in E is a very tough listen. It is on my alcohol playlist. But then there are great songs like Faith Healer, uh, Hardline, which opens the record, and Zip Tie that close the record that are just really good. And she's playing with a band this time, which is always better than her and a piano, which is like immediately sad and, and quiet and scary. And now she's like opening the world up with an, with an organ. You know, everybody who uses an organ automatically if it just feels like 50 percent of the darkness just lifts <laughs> number two for you kelly you did mention this earlier floating points featuring pharaoh yeah. sanders uh the album yeah. is called promises it's uh so pharaoh sanders is a contemporary of john coltrane he's an amazing tenor saxophonist who uh reigns it in a little bit more than coltrane i will fucking say which i appreciate um because I, you know, you know how I feel. I have strong feelings about the avant-garde jazz. Don't like, not a fan. But uh, this is one of the best blends of, of, or best utilizations of a saxophone. I will say that I've ever heard in music, just because it's, you know, it's it's like ambient electronic music. But like this, the album itself promises. It's it's nine tracks, but it's uh, you know forty-five minutes long, forty-six minutes long. And it does that thing, which is so cool to me, which Bob Dylan's most recent album did, where it, if you have it on repeat, you won't know when it stops. And it's just like, you could listen to this album six times and not realize that it, you've listened to it six times. Every piece is amazing. It, it, it just flows into one another so well. It There's not like, they're, they're all just called movements, right? It's like movement one through nine. So it's not like a song that stands yeah. out. It's just a thing that you need to take as a whole and listen to. It's just fantastic if you enjoy any kind of 
ambient electronic music or even if you don't i mean i think this is like something like the the attachment to the the jazz from pharaoh sanders is just like i think it's, it makes it more accessible to people who maybe not don't enjoy this music yeah yeah totally. it's just so good it's so good and and i loved it and i love floating points anyway but this was just like absolutely fantastic promises my number two is from a band who i immediately didn't like but i really liked this year um their name is turnstile and the album is glow on they are ostensibly a hardcore band um a lot of hardcore definitely but they are they have so many different other layers to them there's like a little bit of hip-hop there's a little bit of soul there's a little bit of alternate rock there's a little bit of post-punk shoegaze everything is all in this weird mishmash it's kind of like a death heaven almost like this beautiful ethereal amazing soundscapes but then like it all of a sudden just like rips it apart it's like here's the anthem like you just start singing the fucking choruses and then it just like goes back into like these beautiful lush vibes and you know i don't mean to sound sound like it's like low and high low and high low and high or something like that it's like it is a hardcore record through and through but i don't know i've really come to enjoy this and i i consider a good record being one that i can listen to alone listen to while i'm working listen to while i'm driving especially like it's not something that i would get bored by and i gotta say that turnstile really surprised me with how much i enjoyed listening to this this year is that the is that jingle jingle jangle i had an instinct as well this is the end of our christmas special number one all right so uh when I told Stacia, I was like, oh, we, you know, we got to record our, our rankings for the year. And she was like, are you going to put Stacia number one wife? And I was like, yes, I, I think I'm going to have to. So, yeah, my number one is all the things that I did this year, which were not so much things Hell except for, yeah. you know, I got married. But this is the ultimate cheat. The <laughs> ultimate cheat. <laughs> yeah, it is the ultimate cheat, but it's it's short and sweet. So, yeah, uh, I got married, which was great. Uh, oh. Now I can say things like my wife and it feels I feel like a, a Dragon Ball character. Every time I say it, I feel like I'm powering up a little bit. It's like Gokuing Super Saiyan a little bit. It's like my wife casually dropping that. <laughs> my wife but then when i say it to <laughs> you wife. i have to say it in borat voice because you know her she's like you know a friend and it's not when i say it casually to people at work where it's like oh yeah my wife and i do this i'm like secretly powering up but with you it's like i have to say it goofy because it's like it's just stacia but also she's my wife you know so you have, to, <laughs> you have to say it like <laughs> that's that. true that's very true. <laughs> that's uh, a great point but to the listener it's yes. just your wife power up yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um so that was great. Uh, but also, you know, you came out twice this year. We did St. Patrick's Day. Yep. Obviously, everybody got to enjoy. It's all over now, baby blue. And oh, yeah. uh, you came back out in, what was it? Like, it was like October. The, the entire month of October. Basically, the entire month of October. I was like, uh, yeah, yeah, the entire month. Which was really cool because my mom had just gotten here, which is another thing that I did this year. Moved my mom from Hawaii to here. Her stuff just got here. Like, we shipped it, you know, wow. via boat cargo whatever and it just showed up three weeks ago so she's doing a lot better her dog's doing a lot better it's so funny that like we put her dog on drugs uh i mean not drugs but like you know prozac those kind of drugs yeah her dog is doing a lot better and having their stuff here like my mom having her actual belongings here to put in her house uh, has made her and the dog much happier much calmer nice really nice. nice good good so like I don't know. Yeah, very just, nice. Very, very nice. Very nice. So, yeah, that, just like, you know, it's not a lot has happened this year, but also feels like a lot of stuff's happened this year. And yeah. uh, I'm glad that you got to come back out in October so we could yeah. watch movies and, you know, watching the Tina Turner oh, yeah. documentary with my mom was neat and just like getting to play yeah. kids on bikes together. And, and you know, sure. and the, one of my favorite moments of this year was us all watching Fright Night. And how much you love oh, that yeah. movie. Because I, I, like, I gotta say, I think it was fine at best. 
but you really, really liked that movie. And that was one of Fucking my awesome. favorite moments. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, well, it's just, you know, it's been a year. Hell yeah. No, I, I, I said this before, man. This is like probably the first year. I mean, my life is different than your life, but like I like right now, just like leaving work and all that kind of shit. This is like the first year that's felt like a literal year. Like I can look back and say like, oh, wow, I was here th- this time last year. I just got back to South Dakota as we're recording this like one year ago. I was doing this. But like when I stop to think about it, like, wow, it's been a year is definitely something you say. But I don't feel like it. I feel like it's literally been a year. Like I just it doesn't feel fast. It doesn't feel slow. It feels perfect but yeah there's no shows there's no there's not a lot to break it up it's weird yeah i mean for me it's like i can do a different thing every day and like yeah it breaks it up which is really nice but but it was the same year we had the same year i mean in in theory but yeah that's a great one that's a good cheat yes because yeah that was super fun and i you know soon we'll be doing episodes for bob dylan out there as well uh my number one is probably obvious if you've listened to the podcast because i brought it up multiple times but Hanif Abdul-Rakib, uh, Little Devil in America, is by far the best book that I've read, not only this year, but in a long, long, long time. It's it stuck with me a lot. In terms of musical recommendations, I, I just look to him for everything. Um, his It's not just his book that's incredible. It should have won every award. He won the MacArthur Genius Grant. But his playlist is not just the book that's really good, but the playlist for the 68205 project is have like expanded my taste and I've been listening to them. You know, I just saved the the playlist and I'll just listen to it straight on through. But it's also that he is a great writer who writes far and wide. He um, wrote a book on a tribe called quest. Um, He has a notes on pop column for the Paris review. He's profiled Kid Cudi, Bill Withers. He did the liner notes for Slater Kinney's like comeback, like retrospective album. Plus his Instagram is like that on steroids. He just, Every day he's updating his stories with like anything that happens in the news or any artist that he's thinking about. He'll just do this, these mini little paragraph write-ups about an album or a song or a feeling or a vibe that he's feeling and what he's thinking about and what he's, what he's listening to. And it's just like, it just expanded the scope of everything. So Hanif Abdul-Rakib, number one of this year. Love him. And you can listen to him on many, many, many podcasts if you type in his name. Kelly, this is the end of our Christmas special. Wow. If you suck this out, Jesus Christ. Wow. Um, we've gone through a bottle of wine. We've gone through two sleigh noises. There we go. So many bells. There we go. And uh, we'll be back in 2022. Um, you thought we were dead. You thought that they could <laughs> kill us. And I'll tell you, they couldn't. It was never on the table. They were never going to kill us. I just never told you. So when I say that we're intermittent on Instagram and Twitter and everything at SOTWpod and SOTWpod.com, I fucking mean it. Thank you for listening to our Christmas special. We will see you for Infidels, our first episode of season six. We've got a lot of things in store for you. We're not going to talk about it so as to not jinx it. Thanks for everybody who getting in touch with me on Instagram and asking me where I was. 
And I had to write the same sentence to a lot of people saying we're still alive <laughs> and Kelly's fine. <laughs> Kelly's not gone. She will still be converted at some point to Bob Dylan, but not this time. The songs weren't strong enough. Not yet. Kelly, are you a Bob Dylan fan yet? No, you can't say so. I don't want to spoiler anyone for the very last episode of the show that, uh, you know, may of the not show, come, the whole show. so we're just going to have to wait. That's true. And if you are listening in real time, go to our final episode in 2042 if you want to know if Kelly is a Bob Dylan fan or not. But, um, you know, otherwise, please stick with us. We'll be back in 2022. Kelly, any final thoughts on uh, Christmas and and, uh, Bob Dylan? Well, I just want to echo that what may be a rote sentiment of thank you, everybody who was listening. I'm sorry that, uh, you know, we left you without saying that we were leaving you by accident. Really, I hope it doesn't happen again. I, I, I'll i do my best to say something in the future. And I, you know, I refuse to participate in social media. So it is all Daniel's fault, clearly. Um, I really pr- refuse to. So it's we're kind of a tough place to be as a podcast. <laughs> yeah, place to be. but, you know, I'm, I, you know, it's been nice to, to catch up on some Bob and, you know, mostly not Bob, yeah. but, but some Bob. And it's been weird to not have this in my life so consistently. So it'll be, let's see what happens in 2022. Maybe we'll have more than 15 episodes. Maybe we'll have fewer. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? And I, I didn't mention the honorable mentions, but of course, Bob Dylan had a year in amongst himself as well. He went back on tour for Rough and Rowdy Ways. Shadow Kingdom, of course, was incredible. The Bootleg Series Volume 16, Springtime in New York, came out. So that was the reason why we chose to do Infidels last year. It just didn't pan out with what we're doing, so we're going to pick right up where we said we were. We're going to do Infidels to start. We're not going to specifically be talking about the new Bootleg Series, new, quote-unquote, um, as of you know February when the episode comes out. But it is the reason why we did it. We do know it exists. We don't put him in the rankings because he would be number one just by default with me. So um, just know that we're going to keep going with the show and we'll see you in 2022, February. But hopefully you'll see some surprises before then. Kelly, it's been fun to hang out. It has been. See you later. Goodbye. (laughs) I'll just say, please stop. There we go. That's the Christmas spirit. Hello, still Jewish. Hanukkah spirit, I believe that was.